0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode six of Life Story with Noah Chrysler. On this episode, I sit down with Jake Stevens and hear about his life story. It was almost weird because his life is so similar to mine that it was was almost eerie in that, like, I mean, he did Boy Scouts. He grew up in the middle of nowhere like me, and, like, we went to the same college. We are interested in the same things, and it was just, it was really cool. His story is all about entrepreneurship and discovering what you actually want out of life. And his struggles with like focus on things. And I thought it was a very, very insightful conversation. One of my favorite ones that I've done of these so far, you should definitely listen to it. Uh, He's really cool. He's doing some really, really, really cool things with his company. And uh, one of these days, he's going to be a millionaire. And Jake, when you do get there, invite me to your mansion in the middle of nowhere, man, because that sounds awesome. I want to go on your boat. (laughs) Um, cool guys. This episode of life story with Noah Chrysler is brought to you by modern estate planning. Here is a hard truth. Every one of you will die someday. When that happens, sometimes people leave behind a ton of problems for their friends and family to solve. After funeral costs, some people die poorer than the day they were born. And worse yet, if you don't have a will or you have a bad will, your family members can end up battling in court over the things you leave behind. They'll have to pay a ton in lawyer fees. And usually when the process is all over, they'll all end up hating each other and never speaking to each other ever again. Why make your family members go through that when instead you can take steps right now to plan the legacy that you leave behind? If you're in the Atlanta area, the best option you have is modern estate planning. Modern estate planning offers professional modern estate plans for the modern family. We've helped hundreds of families in Atlanta protect their legacies and avoid court. If you live in the Atlanta area and you don't have an estate plan or you have estate planning questions, give us a call at 404 620 3793. That's 404 620 3793. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jake. Jake is awesome. And go download a Zap. It's, it's we can talk about it at the end of the video. It's really good. Go get it. All right. We are recording and start. Cool. Guys, hey, what's up? Welcome to Life Story with Noah Chrysler. On this episode, I am talking to Jake Stevens. Jake, say hi. How's it going? Um, so Jake uh, filled out this podcast form and uh, I'm really excited. So um, the way this is works is uh, Jake filled out this form and he broke his life down into five different chapters. Um, and we're going to explore each chapter together, uh, starting from his early childhood all the way to what he's doing now. Um, and then we're going to, uh, he, he's written down a list of key experiences from each part of his life that uh, stuck out in one of these chapters. So we're just going to talk about each one of them and uh, hear the life story of Jake Stevens. And uh, cool. Jake, before we do that, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do now and kind of who you are right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, right out of college, uh, basically I went to school for
0: an engineering degree um, at RIT. We went to the same college together. Uh, what was your degree, by the way? Yeah, my, my degree was new media marketing. I started okay. in engineering and I switched to Saunders.
1: <laughs> got, got, yeah, yeah. That's a meme there. Uh, but yeah, I, I was in engineering, really science, but basically um, camera engineering, just to simplify it. Cool. Uh, and, you know, I interned for some pretty big companies, um, had a lot of fun. Uh, but I kind of decided, you know, that gave me a really good experience of like what I wanted to do moving forward. And I decided that I didn't really want to work for a big company. Um, so actually I met some like-minded people at RIT. Uh, we started working on an app together while we were at school and, uh, we still do that now. So I actually don't have a full-time job. I work on my startup full-time with two of my buddies. Uh, we're all living out here in Chicago. We moved right after school. I can't believe I convinced the guys to move out. That's awesome. We'll get there eventually in the podcast. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I do now. I live out in Chicago, um, basically being a entrepreneur, trying to become an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. No, you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you're, you're, you don't have a day job and you are an adult and you seem to rent a place. Like I consider you an entrepreneur. Maybe you're not, you know, making tons of stacks right now, but there are many people who, you know, I don't know. No, man, you've made it. That's great. You know, you've raised the money. I, I just looked at this. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, that's super cool. I really like that. And I'm super excited to kind of get there in your story here, but cool. Okay, great. So before we, um, you said camera engineering, Cool, Jake, I had no idea. I thought you were in Saunders. were you, in, didn't you get, you did business classes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took okay. a bunch of
1: business classes because I knew I wanted to get into entrepreneurship. But uh, no, my background is completely in engineering and science. So I, I have a minor in mathematics. My major is is an engineering degree, the whole nine yards.
0: I wanna just talk about your business and like see what you guys are doing and see if I can help in any way. That'd be we'll so much fun. Okay, it. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, cool, sweet. So uh, your, your, First chapter of your life is called Early Childhood, and Mm -hmm. um, cool. So can you tell me a little bit about your parents and kind of where you were born? Yes. So I was born in uh, just south of RIT, actually, a little
1: town called Wheatland Shilai. So I don't know if you've explored. A lot of people have gone north to Rochester, right? Uh, RIT stands for Rochester Institute of Technology. A lot of people have explored the city, but not a lot of people have explored the surrounding areas. So it gets... RIT is probably like the edge of civilization. It gets pretty rural pretty fast. So you know Scottsville Road, right? Yep. I lived in Scottsville, so if you take that all the way oh, down, cool. okay. you hit Scottsville, it's a little town, and then I actually, technically, it's a village, and I live just east of the village in a town called Wheatland. Um, as you can expect, there's like corn and wheat everywhere. And yeah, my driveway was uh, a quarter of a mile long. Had to walk up and down that to and from school every every day. It was an old horse farm, actually. Um, so really? There was yeah, there was an old, dilapidated barn there. The house was on top of a hill. Um, literally, complete, complete isolation from yeah. from anyone else. Wow. Um, so that came with its pros and cons, right? Um, but yeah, growing up, it was I'd say it's mainly a con, um, just because I didn't have friends over very often. I can remember two distinct times I had friends over at my house. Uh, mostly, it was me hanging out with them um but even then pretty rare just because you know i'd have to get my mom to take me my mom um, uh she was a nurse uh and then my dad he's actually an entrepreneur himself he started his own business um he's an electrical engineer he builds audio equipment high-end audio equipment so awesome that was yeah that was pretty cool actually um a lot of inspiration there into why you know I, i look up to him in a lot of those ways and uh yeah you know a lot of a lot of ways very typical childhood i grew up with five siblings uh, so huge family. Wow. And, uh, where are you I'm at kind of, in
0: the lineup? I'm,
1: I'm the baby. I'm the last baby, one. You're the youngest. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Yep. Yep. Save the best for last. So it's pretty <laughs> interesting actually. It goes girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. Wow. And we're all two years
0: apart. So, wow. Yeah. That's really consistent. That's yeah. That's cool.
1: Yeah. I like to say it's the only organized thing my parents have ever done.
0: <laughs> are they kind of like chaotic people? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Very chaotic people. So, um, yeah. And that, you know, that came with its own challenges. Like Growing up, um, I remember like uh, I wouldn't call it negligence, but it was like borderline negligence, right? <laughs> Where like they were there when they when I absolutely needed it, but like for instance, it was they weren't the kind of parents to like watch my my baseball games, right, or yeah. watch my soccer games. It was like drop off, pick up, very utilitarian, right? Like like this is you know means turn out drop you off at Boy Scouts because you need to be there, pick you up because it, like never coming on the camping trips.
0: Not a yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, part of me is like, yeah, that stinks, you know, because like, you probably don't have that like bonds that you get from the guy that has his dad always there, you know, but my parents were very similar to yours, I think, but like, also, I feel like you kind of learned to be a little bit more self reliant. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things you can let it define you, or you can let it define you, right? Like in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I think I really from a young age adopted that mentality of like, well, I guess it's just me. Right. So I learned to cook at a very early age. I remember, like, you know, I didn't have the kind of mom where I was sitting playing. I mean, I was sitting playing video games, but like when I was hungry, I got up and I cooked myself lunch, right? Or like I cooked myself dinner in some cases. Um, just because, you know, like mom was busy with something else. She just got home from work or something. Actually, my mom didn't work until I was about 12. So she was a stay at home mom for the most part, but you know, six kids, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I learned to cook from a very young age. I still cook all the time. I love it. It's a big passion of mine. Um, but yeah, so my, my, uh, I guess my life in elementary school, I was definitely one of the odd kids out. And I think a lot of that was due to that isolation I talked about, right, where, like, I didn't have a neighborhood of friends to hang out with right after school. It was just me, me alone in my house, right? So I just sat at home and mainly played video games with my siblings, um, read quite a bit as a little kid. um, And so, yeah
0: so so are you like pretty close with your siblings i mean five kids is awesome you know i bet kind of like you don't you don't really need as many you know like i mean it's it stinks that like you know you weren't always having the neighborhood kids over and stuff and that was the same for me but like did you at least feel like you had some people to hang out with when you're at home
1: um uh, yeah i mean i hung out with my mainly my closest sister and brother so my sister that's two years older and my brother that's like four to five years older depending on mm-hmm. the time of year uh but we did fight a lot, like a lot growing up. Um yeah, and I have the scars to prove it, literally, like <laughs> had, like nail scratch scars from like, from us growing up. Like literally sometimes I'll look and be like, oh, I remember that one. Like I've got like a there's like a smiley face on my thumb. I don't know if it comes across, but uh, Oh yeah, yeah, I see it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we we fought a ton. Um and I definitely looked up to my older brother quite a bit, uh my oldest brother, Glenn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he played video games to you a lot. So I'd watch him play, you know, ask for the second controller stuff like that. Cool. Um, yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's see, I'm jealous of that. I had one sister and we didn't really spend much time together. So I'm jealous of people that because we kind of also grew up, uh, you know, away from everybody away from the town, not like, I, I was which I was jealous of the neighborhood kids that had everybody come over, but I was also jealous of my friends that like had really close siblings that would play video games with them because my sister hated video games. So I'm jealous. That's awesome. Um, but also not as good as living and being the popular elementary school kid. Um, cool. They said you would explore the woods with your sister.
1: Yeah, so those are actually some of my better memories is like my sister and brother and I, we would like, you know, we had 20 acres of land. So we would just go around the woods and like find cool spots, set up forts, um, playing streams and like you know just do things that kids do um, cool just, just like games. kid adventures that's awesome yeah. yeah make up games and stuff
0: that's awesome really cool um sweet and you you made a note here about your second grade teacher mrs millard or, i'm sorry yeah. Millard.
1: Yeah. so i mean i guess i was i was kind of a bad kid in, okay you uh, know uh, not kind of i was i was a bad kid
0: in what um, ways? Just, like acting out?
1: like Oh man, yeah, like trying to be the class clown, acting out. And I think that was, you know, twofold, right? Partially because I didn't feel like I got enough attention at home from my parents with six kids. Right. And partially because um, I was so isolated from all the other kids that I felt like I needed to prove myself and be the funny one to make any friends. Um, and don't get me wrong, like I had my friends at school, but we just didn't hang out after school that much because it just wasn't realistic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, was, I was a bad kid and Miss Millard, um, a lot of the teachers like had disdain for me, I'd say. And she was always like, I just remember her being like so nice all the time. And like in my report cards, like where all the other teachers would be like, Hey, needs to be disciplined more needs like this, 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 she was always just like, has so much energy needs to like find <laughs> a better outlet for it. And it was like, just a really positive way to look at things. And, um, yeah, the only teacher I ever called mom, probably for obvious reasons right? like that. <laughs> that kind of thing so yeah just she had a positive impact on me for sure
0: oh that's awesome that's really cool um okay great yeah I man it's this is almost eerie because I feel like we've had very very similar experiences like I was the kid acting out in the back like hey (laughs) that's cool um cool you had a lake house in Canandaigua
1: yes so this one I kind of barely remembered but when I was um you know, when I was like five or six, seven ish, we sold it. Uh, but I do remember like, you know, young memories. Uh, my dad's business used to do quite well. Um, it does okay now, but, uh, like used to do well in the range of like 150, $200,000 in his profit every year. Wow. So, That's yeah, great. so we had, we had a lake house. Uh, so we had to sell it when things didn't do so well for him. But, um, uh, yeah, I remember like, you know, every summer we'd go there for like uh, a month, month and a half at a time and, um, just kind of live on the lake. There was, we had a, a water trampoline, which was really yes. cool. Yes yeah those things are dope dude. Um,
0: your your life reflects my life it's really we you had, had a water trampoline had, my aunt my aunt at her camp we had, we had this water trampoline and my sister like was like she convinced my dad to buy this thing my dad was like what is this and he was like okay sure so we did it yeah it was and it was you know the idea of a water trampoline is the coolest thing in the world and then you start jumping on a water trampoline and like there's no like bounce because it all disperses because yeah, it hits fire. the water yeah 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 <laughs>
1: i remember did you ever go under like oh yeah 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 that's the coolest part i thought i was gonna die (laughs) oh you have to dive so deep to get under the buoy yeah
0: but once you're under there it's like secret base. yep it's fun that's good stuff man this is again this is like my dad was an entrepreneur too you know he owns his own auto repair shop and stuff so it's like i totally resonate with like you know that that feeling of like it's not really a stress but it's definitely like you know it's not I I think it's distinctly different from someone who has two parents who, you know, have salaried, consistent jobs, right? For
1: sure. Like dad's home at like nine PM some nights. Yep. And sometimes not home at all, like need to stay at work, right? Um so dinner was like, you know, regularly dinner was at ten PM for me, which like looking back, probably not the best thing to keep your kids up till ten AM till dinner. Um, but that's just how it was, you know, and that was like normal for me. I'd stay up playing, you know, I, I, what am I saying? I wouldn't do my homework. I would like play video games and then dad would get home we'd eat dinner at like 10 p.m and
0: then i'd go to bed at like 10 30 11 so there you go cool cool wow you eat dinner and then go to bed okay we normally ate around seven if my dad wasn't home by seven my mom was very angry but sometimes he would just be like hey i can't make it and she'd be like that's that's cool though okay cool um so being one of the unpopular kids in school resonate with that too um playing video games every day after school what are some of your favorite video games that you used to play as a kid
1: oh man uh i had a game well my brother had a GameCube, and we cool. fought over that a lot
0: because Smash he was
1: very protective of his GameCube. so he would only let me play it when i was with him and one time he just banned me completely from playing it because i would do i would break his rules so often oh so no just- yes yeah, so i would rules? Well, just his rule is, like, you can't play it unless I'm there. And I would I oh. always play when he wasn't there. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, when he'd catch me playing it, he'd, like, chase me. and would be like, oh, God, and I'd throw the controller and just run. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, favorite games. Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, yeah. great oh, yeah. game. One, one of my favorites. Huge nostalgia whenever I hear the music from, you know, Delftino Plaza, the hub oh, world yeah. in that game. Oh, I love that game. Cool. Um, man, the Lord of the Rings game. Metroid Prime. big, big. Metroid Prime fan. My brother had a PS2, so I played that a little bit. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts, My sister and I bonded big time over Kingdom Hearts, so I yep. played it and she'd watch me because the storyline was just so compelling. Like yeah. one of the one of the best games of my childhood. Um, yeah, yeah. What about you? What are some of your favorite games?
0: Cool. I uh, yeah no. I mean i i i didn't i i didn't have you know an older sibling that was into that. So like I there was like there you no no child. Um. No, I I had my sister, but she was. Oh, into video yeah. games. She was like, she was into boys and uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I don't know. I saved up for PlayStation Two, uh-huh. and then uh, as soon as I was able to, it took me months, months and months and months of like mowing the lawn, and then as soon as I got it, my parents like took it away, and they were like, oh. I God, it. I saw that in your little example of the template and I was like so upset for you when I read that. I was like, oh, poor, for poor no me. reason. I did something so small and they just used it as an opportunity to be like, cool, three months, you're, you don't get to play. But anyway, like Ratchet and Clank I used to love and then like, uh, I don't know, just all, all PS2 games. We had like Need for Speed and like Tekken and uh, Time Splitters. I was huge into that. Mm-hmm. There was a there's a... Gran Turismo. Me- um, I don't think I played that one. Wait, is that the Monster Truck one? No, that's the racing one. Did you ever play Monster Hunter though? Yeah, I think so. Can you the the game where you? What's the one where you can shoot chickens? (laughs) No, Monster Hunter is the one where you
1: like craft your weapons and you fight like dinosaurs and dragons and stuff.
0: That sounds dope. I've never played that. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, Cool. Anyway, enough about me. I'm sorry. Um, Cool. So great. So you had soccer and baseball practice. Were you good at soccer and baseball? Terrible. That was awful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I scored a one goal in my soccer career and it was like a glorious moment for me and never again.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, Jake, this is, this is eerie because it's like, yeah, that's my story too. And then you joined boy scouts. Right. So, um, and I did the same. So can you tell me about boy scouts? Yeah. I mean, I hated it, uh, as a little kid, you know, I was just like, Oh, I
1: want to go back to my video games. I hate camping. Like camping's gross. Of course now, like I've grown a great appreciation for it you know when you don't have that and now i just have more appreciation for like nature and um the serenity of it and like the sustainability and sustaining yourself like out there in the wild i think it's pretty cool uh but when i was a little kid i was like oh i just want to go home and play video games like this sucks um i don't want to learn how to tie knots or like pitch a boat to a dock or something like that <laughs> uh, so, but but yeah i mean looking back they were great memories i made a lot of friends there and, uh, I went to the scout camp every summer in middle school called Camp Massive. Okay. Um, of course we called it Camp Massive That's <laughs> <laughs> what you do. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, every summer I went there for a week. Um, she was it a week or two weeks. It did, I think it depended on the year. Some some years it was only one week. Some years it was two weeks. Uh, but, yeah, I always remember, like, making those week-long, like, camp friends. Like, camp friends are, like, some of the best friends, right? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like It's awesome. so close to the point where it's, like, it's, like, the honeymoon, honeymoon phase of friendship where, like, everything's great and you're just, like, you connect, you're vibing, having a good time and then you just say bye and it's bittersweet but like you never yeah. fight with them.
0: Never talk to them again. Yeah, no, it's, the, the, I feel like that's also part of, because it's like, you know that you're leaving, right? So it's like, you gotta, I don't know, it's it's that Pack weird. Pack in thing. all the
1: fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's <laughs> so always, like, about that. there's always so many things going on because I used to, I used to go to Sabatis. Did you ever hear with Sabatis? So I know it's like, no now it's up there um it was another boy scout camp but yeah it was there's always something going on though right there's an event every night and then like there's we had like merit badge classes during the day and stuff to do that
1: yeah yeah definitely i mean uh i never got too far in boy scouts like even oh, really? when i got old yeah even when i got older like i never got eagle i just didn't care about the requirements um yeah. but yeah i i think it taught me a lot though about um the utility of like sustaining for yourself and like yeah
0: like uh, learning to do things
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like things that are actually useful in the world
0: right right yeah, yeah exactly. that's you know that's so funny it's like yeah it's it's weird to think about it but yeah boy scouts is about like hey life skills and i and as a kid you don't realize like oh these are actually important you know i'm gonna learn these when i'm an adult i'm gonna learn how to fix a tail light like when i'm like 25 and it's gonna suck like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know um cool great so you got internet in the house eventually Oh, that was a big time
1: for us, yeah. Second grade, I can remember. I was I was eight years old when we got internet in the house and complete game changer. We still didn't have cable, just basic TV, the four or three channels or whatever. Um, but, you know, big time like internet, Uh, it was only up for, like, a couple hours a day, like, you'd have to look for a specific light on the box, and when that light was on, I remember, it was the fourth light over from the left, and when that (laughs) light was on and blinking, it was game time, baby, and, like, you know, we had, like, allotted hours for who could be on when, because we had six people in the house, obviously, Um, so there's the kid's computer, and then my dad also had his computer, Uh, but, like, like, when, when my dad wanted to get on, that was his time, he could take you'd override anyone's time but yeah. like our time like we thought of that a ton and okay. like my brother would be on longer than he should have been That's to get the parents involved and everything like yeah uh, that's they took away the computer a few times i'm pretty sure oh, like big fights oh over that big fights my over god, that. like oh fights my over
0: god. That. that'd be the worst day that'd be the worst day as a kid when you have nothing to do and it's saturday and the computer's there and you can't use it it's the worst um what what like websites would you frequent with your computer time Crazy Monkey Games, that was a big yes.
1: one. Just flash game websites in general. Hell yeah! Addicting um, games,
0: MiniClip.com.
1: Yeah, MiniClip. I was big into like uh, just making like crap artwork on on certain okay. websites. I can't even remember what websites I went Newgrounds. on.
0: Newgrounds. There was some Newgrounds stuff. I don't know. Oh yeah, big into big into Newgrounds.
1: Just YouTube when that was coming up. Uh, that was more middle school for me, but yeah. Cool. A lot of that.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, great again, Jake, you're doing great. You're like, you're, I, you are like, you're on it. you you, you even asked about the time requirement too. The idea is to try to do these in 90 minutes and you're can nailing it. So, but, but don't feel like you have to rush through anything. Cause you know, I, the, the idea here is to take our time and really actually get to know you and hear your story. So anyway, cool. So let me summarize the um, experiences from this chapter of your life and you let me know if I'm missing anything. So cool. Um, you grew up South of Rochester, uh, on there was a road that you mentioned scotts scottsdale scottsdale scottsville uh,
1: so i grew up in the village of scottsville well that was the village nearby i grew up in a
0: town called Wheatland, kind of like the gotcha okay that. gotcha um but it's south of rochester cool you grew up in an old like farming house um like in like a wheat growing farming community um and with with five brothers and sisters all two years apart spaced out boy girl um, and, uh, cool. And you have a lot of memories fighting with them and playing video games with them. Um, you were doing soccer and bass baseball. you were awful. Um, you joined boy scouts, never really got into like much of the higher ranks of that, but like mm. did a lot of that stuff. Cool. Um, you were a kind of a troublemaker kid cause you felt like you needed to be heard. Um, and your second grade teacher, miss Millard, uh, was they actually kind about it where everybody else was kind of mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you used to explore the woods with your sister. Uh, you had a lake house in Canadago with a water trampoline. That sounds awesome. Um, and yeah, you were kind of like not super popular because you lived far away from everybody else. And dad came home at 10 p.m. to eat dinner because he had his own business making audio equipment. Is that kind of a decent summary? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Sweet. All right. Cool. Chapter two here is called Middle School Being an Outsider. And this says that you went through a fat slash chubby phase. Oh yeah. I should
1: have brought like I should have brought like a slide deck or something. <laughs> When when you see a photo of me, you can go on my my Facebook profile or something and throw it up whenever you edit this video. Um, <laughs> but when you see a photo of me in sixth or seventh grade, I was a chubster, like border borderline fat, definitely chubby. Okay. Um, and yeah, that, that definitely like didn't help the popular points at all. Um, but I think I did get better about like socializing with friends, uh, teachers, not so much. I was still a huge troublemaker in middle school, maybe more than elementary school. Probably something with puberty in there.
0: <laughs> in what ways? In what ways would you get in trouble? Like, do you remember what you get yelled at for? Oh,
1: just swearing in class. Swearing, um, like, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like a big, big time troublemaker. Like swearing in class, just cracking jokes, talking out of turn. Uh, you name it. Like, I made a teacher cry once. So, so like, yeah, like what? I think that was one of the bullet points. Like, I made, yeah, I made actually on two occasions. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, I know it's bad. I was a bad kid. Um, first was in sixth grade. I remember my grades were terrible and uh, my English teacher, she was like, Hey, there's this like, you know, we have quarters in our school and she's like, there's this quarter long project and I haven't done any of the assignments. And it's like approaching the final weeks of the quarter. And she's like, Jake, if you do all of these assignments, even though they're late, I will let you hand them in no late points and like it's these these assignments are like all of the quarter's oh points boy. and and oh boy. and, and she put like, herself ha- out on the limb for she, you. She put herself out on the limb and I didn't do it. And I <laughs> I still feel bad about it to this day. Oh man. Uh Miss, uh Miss Avery. Miss Avery, I, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I feel <laughs> I feel so bad about that. I was what grade was that? You think she, sixth? That was sixth, sixth grade. Grade. Yeah, yeah. It was it was called the Paradise Island Project, where you had to make up a fictional story about you surviving on the island. Um, I didn't do it. Sorry,
0: but uh, terrible. Yeah, and then in seventh grade, I made. Um, and so she started to cry on your behalf, like, oh my god. She, when I didn't hang them in, she was so upset because she's like, there's this kid. I gave him her redemptive offer.
1: yeah he he didn't she didn't (laughs) i i remember like that that was like a lesson in its own way of like damn like this feels really bad like i should take advantage of opportunities (laughs) (laughs)
0: cool hey learning opportunity cool sweet okay and then the next time you made somebody cry oh another did you like yell at her until she cried or was it like no she she, i'm i'm unclear it's
1: unclear whether or not it was my fault okay so so it was Miss Narone, Miss Naron, shout out, seventh grade. Um, she was also the English teacher. And uh, basically, like, I was just acting up in one of her classes. And then after class had ended, she didn't cry during class. But someone had told me that she was crying when they entered the next class. But
0: it, So it's unclear if it was due to me. Oh, no. Um, it's okay. unclear. That uh, jury's yeah. still out on that one. It's almost but, worse a little bit. You know, yeah. she, she was sad crying alone until the kids came in.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so it's unclear. Uh, But yeah, definitely a troublemaker of my grade, which by the way, I grew, I mean, another point I could add, grew up in a very small school, um, small town, small school, Okay. 50 kids in my graduating class. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows each other. You start dating someone, the whole school knows about it the next day.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of weird because there's only like 20 girls and then 10 of them that you'd actually probably date. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right, that's high. I don't know. That's mean. I mean everybody's beautiful no, and it's true. Great. it's true. That's how it goes. <laughs> cool. Um great. So, okay, you you drank a ridiculous amount of Mountain Dew. Big Mountain oh, Dew. Oh, big Mountain Dew guy. Um as
1: you can see now, I only drink water and yeah, tea basically, some coffee now and then. Uh but yeah, in middle school, I was a very unhealthy child. Like ate a lot of junk food. Um just had no like compass when it came to nutrition and health. Um I guess, like, no, no fault of my parents. Like, they always had vegetables with every meal and stuff like that. I was just, mm-hmm. like, I was just a classic sugar fiend. Uh, but, yeah, Mountain Dew is my favorite drink. Um, I remember, actually, one summer when I was at Massa So, this was the summer that the Dark Knight Rises came out. So, yeah, like, this is 2012. And okay. they had a special flavor of Mountain Dew boy it was dark berry I remember yeah I remember that dark. too it was dark berry and um yeah so I buy it from the vending machines and every kid would at massive Weepy they have sweepstakes where you had to collect um bottle caps and then you can mail them in for prizes and one of the prizes was like a custom I was really into Xbox I got my first Xbox uh sixth grade um the first console that I actually owned. so that was a big moment for me there you, you go congratulations
0: record. moving up in the world <laughs> yeah, yeah I actually put that one on my resume um <laughs> own my own Xbox, come at me. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember
1: asking kids for their bottle caps because I wanted to collect them because I was like intent on getting this Xbox. And I got super close. Like it cost, I think like 800 bottle caps to get this Xbox. And I had like 600. And wow. I was really, yeah, I had a ton of bottle caps, probably really gross. I didn't clean them at all. Probably like, kids spit all over them and stuff. <laughs> but I had all these bottle caps and I almost got this Xbox and I was so upset. And the nearest prize I could get was like a Bane standee. So I got a Bane standee.
0: Gotcha. You know, honestly, that that makes me like think. It's like, man, okay, eight hundred bucks, like for in soda. You know what? I I don't know if you're gonna drink the soda. Might as well. Oh like, man, that,
1: that's like sixteen hundred dollars in soda. Oh really? Because, oh, you're right. At least it's like, like two bucks each. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Wow, that's a lot of soda. A lot
1: of soda. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure that camp might have been funded a large portion by soda, unironically. Like the amount of soda the kids drink there. Wow ridiculous yeah
0: that's crazy yeah you know it's it's it, you ever like think about that it's like man we're giving children just like it's just it's just as much sugar as can possibly be like soluble in water and that's what they that's like the most popular like children's drink at any restaurant i don't know That I, I oh yeah i mean i'm big into
1: nutrition now and looking back i was like i wouldn't say i'm big but i'm very conscious about what i'm eating um yeah dude that's
0: it's crazy. Back,
1: I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? Who allowed me to eat that? Like, <laughs> literally just putting sugar and carbs into my body, which carbs turned into sugar. So right. like, my diet was probably over. It wouldn't be a gross estimation to say my diet was over half carbs.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think a lot of kids grow up in that environment, especially like, uh, when, when you're totally right. It's, it's not that like they're willingly, you know, like, they they don't have an education and nutrition right, so it's not like they're willingly making these bad choices because uh you know they want to and like but it's like they don't have like uh this this compass of like hey don't I mean yeah. that's not true a lot of them know like oh cool this is terrible for me and they eat it anyway but like because it's good and it's, it's
1: so accessible though that's right. part of the problem right is that it's everywhere so it's you know it's like the cigarettes of our generation really it's really bad um, right. So yeah, looking back, and I had terrible teeth because of it. Had to get a ton of work done, um, cavities all over my mouth. uh, So yeah, yeah, paid for that too.
0: Yeah, that sucks. That yeah, oof, man. There's so many times. I wish, I wish that I could take my younger self and take him, grab him by the ears, and be like, hey, floss your goddamn mouth, (laughs) (laughs) like. You dumb idiot! Floss your <laughs> teeth. Um, cool. Okay, so uh, your first middle school dance. I'm sorry, your uh, my first school dance and my first girlfriend. Tell me about that. That sounds oh, awesome
1: That's Oh like, man, these are some deep cuts. These are some deep cuts. Yeah, I I mean I put them all out there though. I'm trying to be an open book for this one. Here we go. So, yeah, um, uh, first school dance. It was classic, like guys on one side, girls in the other side, and I remember. Yes. Um, me and uh this guy who's actually a really popular kid and I remember um uh we kind of bonded because uh we just decided you know what like okay it was Miley Cyrus's party in the USA play yeah there you go we just got out there and started like karaoke style singing it and dancing it together and it got everyone to like move together and start dancing so that was like a big moment for me that was like damn like I can I can go toe-to-toe with like the popular kids and and like be myself and have fun
0: yeah hell yeah Cool. And so, so did you meet your first girlfriend at this school dance? Yes. Yeah, so during the dance,
1: um, Colleen Worthington, shout out to the friends on Facebook. She moved away actually the next year. Uh, um, but she asked, out, <laughs> yeah, probably, she asked me out probably because she asked me out and I said, uh, basically I said, let me think about it at the dance. Cause I was so nervous. I'd never been asked out before. I, I, I wasn't one of those like kids that had elementary school girlfriends. Or anything,
2: right. Cause I was, right. I
1: was really unpopular. Um, yeah, so then the next day I told her I'm like, let's do it. I'm in. Um and then we sat at the lunch table together maybe like four or five, for like about a week. And then she had her friend dump me and I was like, Oh bummer, dude. But it gave me a taste of the good life. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Made you hungry for more. Cool man. Exactly. Good stuff. All right. That sounds tragic. Um you're first falling out with a friend. Oh no.
1: Yeah, so I had a friend, one of my only friends through elementary school, uh, David Lewis. He, um, he was like quintessential nerd, and he'll own that if you ask him. Um, like glasses, kind of like bowl cut, not really a bowl cut, but sort of, um, really into comic books, Star Trek, had his own like gaming cave that we would hell hang yeah. out at up all the time. Like, sounds like a champ. <laughs> oh, yeah, like he was like the quintessential nerd and like, like a great best friend to have um and i just remember i for whatever reason i don't think there were any definite reasons i think it was partially just because i was like a shitty kid in middle school uh we drifted apart a little bit Mm because it made i think fueled by my desire to be popular like to so i started hanging out with like the unsavory kids let's say not 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 like the bad bad kids but like the medium bad kids um (laughs) gotcha yeah Yeah. so he was kind of like oh like i don't really want to hang out with you anymore so he like distanced himself for about a year i'd say uh, that was hard. I remember being like, damn, like, why doesn't, why doesn't Dave want to hang out anymore? And looking back, it was obvious, but yeah, it was yeah. it was a rough year or so.
0: Yeah, no, that's that sounds brutal. You know, it, I think I've, I've talked to a lot of people and they say, you know, around, around middle school is when like you start to like, you know, at, in elementary school, everybody is like, yay, happy fun all the time. And then middle school, you kind of start to like develop a little bit of an ego. And it's like, oh, this is kind of like what I want. And I want to be you know, viewed this way, or I want to do these things. And, and that's when you kind of start making these diversions. And yeah, so I've heard a lot of people say similar things about that. And that happened to me too, in middle school. So I totally feel for you, man. Um, cool. Did you, did you end up like re, you know, convening with him at another point later in life? or?
1: Yeah, so actually, um, and this kind of moves into the next stage of my life, but it's fine to talk about it now. Uh, basically, we we were on good terms, I would say, in like eighth grade. Or so. so Seventh grade was when we really had our break. And then eighth grade, we kind of got back on like okay terms, like talking, like sometimes hanging out during lunch and stuff. Uh, but what really got me back was in tenth grade. So summer of tenth going into eleventh grade, he hits me up like, hey, man, um, I'm going to try out for the cross-country team. I want to train over the summer. Do you want to train with me? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I started working out with him and a mutual friend of ours, um, Kenneth um and yeah kenneth actually ended up being the valedictorian of our, our class he's like super studious um not the most social kid like pretty pretty awkward when it comes to interactions but we were friends with him and um and he kind of coached us because he was an avid runner uh cool. one of the best runners on the team and yeah and i just remember like like working out with them every day during the summer like at least three days a week wow and it was horrendous at first but that really brought us closer together like this uh shared struggle
0: yeah yeah definitely it's like common goal like cool hey and and sharing that knowledge and and yeah that you know that sounds like a really really cool experience where it's just like you and two other friends and you're just working to better yourselves and like get better at this thing together that sounds awesome I uh it was great yeah cool um so you move to uh you move to a new town and make new friends
1: yes so I didn't really move to a new town, but I moved out of my house with my gotcha. mom. So my mom and my dad got divorced when I was in sixth grade or they separated. They got divorced a few years later because that takes a whole process. But mm. besides the point, my dad moved into town, into a townhouse and I moved with him. Um, just cause, uh, you know, my mom, she had a whole period where she was like very emotionally distraught by the whole experience. Um, so it was just like hard to be around her. She's pretty neurotic and, um, super on edge and just like would have outbursts and be wild you know how mm-hmm. people are crazy sometimes mm-hmm. um but yeah so uh I lived with my dad for a little bit and that was a great experience for me like it, it was everything that I missed out on in elementary school with being around friends to hang out with after like directly after school and stuff and yeah really taught me the ropes of like um socialization I'd realized like in elementary school I would missed out a little bit on um on my developmental psychology, if you will, not to get, not to like psychoanalyze myself too much or treat this like a therapy session. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, but that's what
0: you learned when you were surrounded by people and they could come over after school. It's like, I bet you learned a ton about like, oh, cool. This is how to do this. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, kids like make fun of you and you have to learn to like not take it seriously and like push back and right. learn how to ride a bike because everyone around me was riding bikes and I felt left out and like just a bunch of stuff I felt like I caught up quite a bit. So it was a great experience.
0: Cool. Did you did you spend more time with your dad? You know, since that he was just kind of just him, like one on one type stuff. And did all your siblings come with you, or was it just you and, and him?
1: It was my dad and uh, my older brother and I. So gotcha. the three oldest kids in my family had already moved out, um, mm-hmm. doing their own things, uh, either going to college or now had a job or in the military. Um, so they were out, and it was my dad and my older brother and me. And I was the first one to move in with him. I remember the first night. Um we kind of left in secret because it and it was kind of mean on my mom in in hindsight. Um, but he knew that she would be like distraught when he moved out. So like I kind of moved out with he was like, Hey, do you want to come visit this apartment that I'm because uh I guess to give you some context, he beginning of this was one day after my birthday when I was eleven or twelve, whatever I was in sixth grade. I think I was I think I was eleven. Mm-hmm. Um they sat us all down and said like, Hey, uh, you know, your mother and I were getting a divorce. And I remember being like, Oh shit.
0: And yeah. Yeah. I went
1: down and played video games for a little bit. And then the next day he was like, Hey, you know, I bought this townhouse. Do you want to check it out with me? Um, so yeah. I drove there with him, spent the night there and, uh, yeah, there was nothing there. We just had like uh, some mattresses that he bought and a TV and we watched, uh, the sixth, episode of Star Wars together because I was big into Star Wars yeah Um, so that was kind of a a bittersweet memory I guess like it was a good time to bond with my dad a little bit but we had we had a lot of nights like that and that that definitely did bring me closer with him living with him because I missed out on that a lot growing up because my dad would almost you know the bad relationship with my mom caused him to stay home late often just to focus on his work and avoid coming home and fighting because they fought a lot Right. Um, so yeah, so it, it was a great time to actually get closer with them.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. That sounds really tough. And, and, uh, thank you so much for like, you know, opening up about that. That sounds, you know, not easy. I, Never had to deal with anything like that, and I can't imagine what that must be like. Um, cool, so so you said you got terrible grades. You once got a 4% in English one quarter of eighth grade. How does one get a 4% in an English class? Well, this
1: is what you, this is what you do no, Chrysler. So Here
0: we go, I'm taking notes.
1: Take, okay, so you have a semester where the entire semester revolves around you writing an essay, in which you're doing research and, and the writing on the mobile lab computers. Now, what you don't do is any of the research or writing. What you do <laughs> is you install Minecraft. Hell yeah. The mo- you install Minecraft on the mobile app computer and make sure you get the same one each time and you play Minecraft with your friend Adam. <laughs> now, same, same classroom? Same classroom, we would sit apart from each other just to sell the illusion. Gosh. And we would sit like quarter to quarter, and just like we played Minecraft <laughs> on the text chat with each other, with our walls like to the. We make sure we had like chairs that were to the back of us. Oh, was, yeah. It was actually super sneaky, like Eventually, yeah. she found out, but it wasn't till like three quarters of the way through the <laughs> class. We'd done no work at that point. Um, at one point, she looked over my shoulder and she's like, "What are you playing?" I was like, oh, "I play Minecraft," and she's like, "Oh, show me how it works and everything." She was she was cool about it. Mrs. Wood, shout out to Mrs. Wood. She was. She was really cool. I mean, she wasn't going to give me slack or, like, you know, yeah. help me catch up. Like, by that point, she was like, yeah, you're kind of, you know, you've already
0: kind made of your bummed. bed, so. Yeah. So, might as well farm some stuff. Let's see some Minecraft. <laughs> you yeah. find any diamonds? Like <laughs> exactly. Cool. That's, oh, I love that yeah. so much. Now, they didn't have, like, a, a thing to just prevent new installations, or did you, like, were you friends with the tech guy that, like... So, Adam Adam was very very like
1: versed in technology so adam and so adam david and i that was like our trio of friends adam was very uh, knowledgeable in this stuff so he actually figured out how to do it it was like you know classy school security they think it's safe but like he figured out some way and he, i remember he had to show me and he to walk me through like okay you have to like install it in the, it was a particular set of routines that you yes. had to go through to play each time like you had to go into this special folder move this file over here
0: and then you could launch it I absolutely love that. Yeah. You know, I—it's so funny. I feel like I feel like that stuff. Um, let me pitch this to you, and if you don't agree with this, that's totally okay. But I have this feeling where it's like the most, the majority of my foundational like tech and like video like, production knowledge came from when I was, like, trying to do something fun, um, you know, as a kid, and, and it wouldn't work, so I, like, had to, like, kind of hack my way around the systems in place so that I could get it to happen. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I think a lot of that learning happens, like, being an outside-of-the-box thinker, that's, like, that's the reason why they say, like, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't, like, your 4.0 students. Right. Right? Because those are the students that are only going to follow the processes laid out in front of them. They're not willing to break or divert from that.
0: Right. That- Right. I remember when I was growing up, my dad would like take the, he, he would like always like mess with the internet. Right. So he would like take the ethernet cords and like to steal all the power cords from all my electronics and stuff. And so like, I would like go and like, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is how he does this. So I need to just go and be really knowledgeable about hardware and just like find all these cords. And then like, when he takes them, I can have my own set of cords, plug them in when he's not there play the stuff. <laughs> like- no, yeah, I would do the same thing. I would do the same exact thing. Like
1: I, I figured out like, there's definitely devices like that where they had a common power cable. So I figure out even when my dad would take away the power cable, I could be like, oh, I can plug this one in still in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Oh, I love that. That's hilarious. Thing. That's really good. And then and then, same thing with like, I didn't install any software, but it's like, you know, I, was, I would always try to edit video on these like terrible, awful computers in our high school mm-hmm. um, or in our middle school sometimes. No, it was mostly high school. But yeah. And so it'd be like, you have to like tweak these programs to like get the... Pro things, all terrible quality, but eventually you could get something. Um, cool. Great. So cool. You joined choir and you really enjoyed it and you were dropping band class. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. I remember, you know, like, I think I had a very good
1: moral compass growing up where like, um, just internally, I'm not sure really what instilled that. Cause like, I, I guess probably my dad, my dad had a certain set of values, like uh, very non-traditional values. Like he's kind of like a, look out for yourself kind of person, but also, like, don't forget about other people, but definitely, like, take care of your own stuff first, um, but uh, big about, like, responsibility and, like, taking care of, care of yourself, right, in an ethical manner, and I remember, like, I, I joined band in fifth grade, trombone, and I just didn't go to lessons enough, so it got to the point where the band teacher was, like, listen, like, you should probably drop out, and I remember feeling this, like, pang of regret of, like, uh, like, it didn't live up to, like, I should have, this is, like, a good opportunity for me to, like, learn a skill. And looking back, I couldn't really figure out why that was. But now it's like obvious, right? Like, like you know, I, there's this opportunity presented in front of me to become a better person, to, like, learn a skill. And yeah. I didn't seize it in the most opportune manner, which, I guess, kind of defines my middle school experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember having a really, really awful day when I had to drop in. Um, but then i was in choir so that kind of kept me going that was my rationalization was like well at least i'm still doing choir i'm still committed to that and going to the practices so
0: yeah sense. you know it's it's this is eerie but i i played trombone too and i had the very same experience oh, it's like, yeah. yeah where it's like i didn't practice at all and i ended up dropping it very so- shortly after um and so so why did you enjoy choir
1: well, mainly because a lot of my friends were there. So Adam that I mentioned before, he was in it. Um, there was also a lot of kids, like higher, um, I guess, older kids from high school. So it was a middle school and high school combined choir because gotcha. there were so few kids that they, gotcha. they were like, we need to do this. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the older kids kind of took me under their wing, you know, made jokes with me, hung out with me during lunch and stuff. So that made me feel good. That made me like, as your young kid, you look up to the high school kids like, wow, well, you right. know, that's what I want to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's oh, a big cool. part of why I liked it. Cool. Cool. Um sweet. Uh uh you 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 grew your hair out long. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean
1: again, go on my Facebook, it's all there. Um yeah, shoulder length hair. Wow. Um greasy, didn't shower enough, like gross, <laughs> gross looking back. <laughs> and like I smelled bad too. Like, oh, it was not it was not the kind of kid that that you know, I looking back I'm like, yeah, pretty some clear things I could have fixed to become more popular.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. It's yeah, some fumbles. Yeah, yeah
1: um, But oh, oh, I have a good story about this though. Okay. So um, sixth grade was when I first grew out my hair long. My dad hated it. My dad's like, he's a bit of a macho man in that, like, um, he has a soft side to him, even though he doesn't like to admit it. But like, he's he's big, like, oh, you know, like man's man kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I had long hair, he was like, "Cut your hair! You look like a girl!" And I'm like, "No, I'm not going to do it." and one time uh, he took me to the barber shop and just like forced me to cut my hair. Oh and no. The woman I got so uh, it's a men's barber shop and she was like brand new there a Vietnamese woman. She cuts my hair in a bowl cut. Like oh, perfect no. like you put a bowl on my head and cut oh, across. My and my dad he felt bad but he was kind of laughing at the same time. <laughs> He's like, "Oh man." And but I was still too stu- I was like crying at this point, but I was oh, still yeah. too stubborn to completely cut it off, like, just, I should have just got short hair, like, look at that, but I was like, no, I want to save it, so we, like, left, went to Macy's or something, and had one of the hairstylists there try to fix it, it did not look good
0: at all, like, kids laughed at me the next day, and stuff,
1: oh, that's so
0: funny, a bowl cut from a new hairstylist, oh, man, that's great, okay, cool, and then, uh, last thing you wrote here is that you joined Ski Club,
1: yeah, yeah, that was a good experience for me, too, um, so, oh, man, story that so first ski trip was sixth grade and uh i had no ski experience before it took the rentals and everything and they had this course you had to take and once you finished the course it was going to be a few hours but then you could get a sticker on your pass and go up the lifts, right because the course was just on like the ground gotcha. level of the mountain okay and, um
0: yeah bunny we hill were, stuff
1: yeah yeah exactly not even not even bunny hills like it was like slopes like Gotcha. Very slight slopes. And I remember like, I don't need that. So I stole one of the stickers and put it on my badge. (laughs) And and, uh, I went, because I wanted to go with my friends. All my friends were in ski ski club that year. So I'm like, I want to ski with my friends. Of course. So we go up.
0: Got to run before you walk. Let's do it. Exactly. Hell yeah. So I get
1: all the way up and I'm on my skis. And we get to the top of this green circle. I don't know if you know Steam. Oh yeah, green yeah, circle,
0: yeah. blue square, black diamond. You try yeah, to exactly. try to hit the green ones. Yeah.
1: So we get up to the top of this green circle, and they're like, "All right, this should be pretty easy, Jake. Just follow us. You'll have no problem." They blow past me. They're like, they're gone, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh god!" And I'm I'm shaking. I'm like, you know, this I'm not. It's terrifying. A, it's absolutely horrifying. People I'm don't not realize fit, that. Yeah, I'm not a fit kid either at this point. But like I remember, I'm chubby, no, so dude, like I don't have like a lot of strength it takes a lot of strength to like have that balance that whole time and stuff too. So I'm like, I'm falling over. And, um, I, I are you a skier?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I used to, I was in ski club, which is another weird thing. I used to go all the time. I used to go every day after school, with my buddy Isaac Mecker, and we would just like bomb the, we would snowboard. But yeah, I used to ski too. And I love it. It's my favorite. Okay. So you're
1: familiar like with when you fall and your ski comes off and the clip, like, um, oh, yeah. the clip on your boot comes out without the clip popping down.
0: Right yeah yeah you gotta uh, pop it back up and you
1: you have to like push it back down or pop it back up whichever way the the thing works yeah Uh, but that happened to me and i didn't realize that that's what all that needed to be done is just snap the clip back into place and then put your boot back in oh no i'm skiing so i had no clue and it was lunchtime so everyone had stopped going down the slopes so i had no one to help me so you're gonna break your ankle so i picked up my skis put them on my shoulder and i walked down the rest of the way by the time i got to the bottom like, a teacher was like, Jake, where were you? Like, we were about to send the ski patrol down. Like, we didn't know where <laughs> I'm, like, crying. I'm like, I just want to go inside. And I just played the arcade games for the rest of the day. It was Oh, incredible. no. Yeah. But but I remember feeling like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to give up on skiing. I really like skiing. So, uh, like, I want to learn how to ski. So, I joined Ski Club the next year. Made some awesome friends there. Um, we had this whole squad of people that, that we hung out with. And it uh, got pretty good at skiing. And I still ski now.
0: So. Cool. That's awesome. Skiing is so much fun, and that whole like culture of like, you know, hey, this is the lodge, and come hang out and chill, and the, yeah, it's like a social thing. It's the best. Skiing's awesome. Cool. Okay. Great. Let me summarize part two here. So, uh, middle school, you were kind of chubbier than you are now. Uh, Mountain Dew, love some Mountain Dew. Didn't have much of that, uh, you know, nutrition compass. Um, totally agree with that. Um, your first school dance, Miley Cyrus is playing. You're like, this is my chance. You Hands and up. your buddy. They're playing my song, (laughs) Butterflies Fly Away. You're like me. Not in my head, yeah. You meet your first girlfriend, a fantastic love story that lasts a week until her friend breaks up with her for you, or her friend breaks up with you for her. That's the worst. Uh, Cool. Um, You you had your first falling out with your friend. Um, You moved into town because your parents split up and you moved to your dad's townhouse. Uh, Spent the night... Um, watching Star Wars on a mattress on the floor which is sounds amazing um, you got you got 4% in English class because uh, because you installed Minecraft on the school computers and played with your buddy love that that's amazing um, cool you joined choir you really enjoyed that uh, and dropped trombone you had long hair um, and you learned how to ride a bike and you eventually joined ski club Did I miss anything
1: no, no, I think that's all good. at So yeah. Yeah. I think the end of that would just be, I kind of got into like a, like not a terrible group of friends, but like not the best friends we'd have.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. The grungier kids, not like the, not the straight edge ones. Gotcha. Cool. Great. Part three of your life is called high school realizing my potential. I'm ready. Here we go. Um, okay. you joined and eventually started, um, starred in the school musical. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: that didn't, that didn't happen until later. So that was around, um, that was actually my senior year. Uh, and it was really a factor of like, there were no other, I'm, I'm on a scale of one to 10 for singing talent. I'm, I'm probably like a six and a half, seven-ish range. Cool. So I'm no star by any means, but I can sing, okay. Um, but it was mere factor that like the next person was like a four in my grade. So <laughs> I, or at least that was in the musical. So um, I, I got the part. By de facto mm-hmm. de facto, yeah.
0: What what part was that?
1: Uh so that was we did Once Upon a Mattress and I was Prince Harry. I don't know if you're oh. familiar with,
0: with this uh movie. I think I think so. It's like the Princess and the P thing and then like yeah. yeah. I I haven't seen the show but I, I think I'm familiar. Cool. That's awesome though. That's awesome. So so what was that experience like? Tons of friends and stuff and like theater kids kind of weird, like
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I was really so in high school I, I definitely Having that experience of like being an unpopular kid, and then I, I got a lot more popular in high school. Like, I uh, hung out with like some of the most popular kids in, in the class and everything. Um, but I remember, like, you know, I never lost that appreciation for like weird people doing weird things. because yeah, I, I, I was one of those. My I, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, I think I had a wide range of perspectives. Like, I, I saw both sides of, uh, of the, uh, the, the high school experience. So that was definitely like my more like hang out with the the weird kids side of things but i love i love theater kids they're all just like singing in the hall like no 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 like trying to figure out just like, like
0: just like blind confidence in like the yeah, weirdest yeah. shit just like yeah i love it
1: <laughs> yeah, practi- practicing the dance routines like in the bathroom and stuff like that kind of thing yeah
0: yeah good stuff cool um great so then you join the cross-country team that sounds awesome
1: yes that was like the pivotal moment in my high school career really like um I was still kind of my high school self, ninth and most of 10th grade. Uh, but really big time was like what I mentioned about uh, my friend David, who I'd kind of become estranged to, um, reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, I want to join the cross country team. I was wondering if you want to practice with me. So at first I was kind of like, hey, you know, but then I was like, you know what? I've been playing video games for the last five, like the last like 10 summers of my life. Yeah. I, I mean, why don't I just do something this summer? Were, something? You, were you still kind of like husky at this
0: point? Bigger guy or? I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was still chubby at this point. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah, those first few practices, I remember just being held. We went to the high school track and one lap around, so a quarter mile, I was toast. Like I really? was dead. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like gassed. Um, and I just remember like Kenneth, God bless him. Just never giving up on me. Like teaching me, like, you know, having, having so much patience with like a fat kid learning to run and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, really, really just taught me the, value of investing in yourself right and yeah. and like working towards a long-term goal like i i had never done that before because um I've, I've, i i always kind of coasted in middle school and early high school on the fact that i think i'm just you know i'm naturally i'd say above average in yeah you're a smart guy.
0: no I, yeah you can definitely tell
1: yeah so i, I just you know at any test that was handed me i'm like yeah i can just take this and get like an 85 90 and i'm fine right it's whatever so i i never had And my parents were pretty hands-off in terms of parenting. So I didn't, like, have the discipline that I should have. And that really, like, helped me build, like, oh, like, things that are hard take work. Like, they take real time to to develop. So um, that was a big experience for me. And you can can completely tell. If you look at my – I still have all of my IDs from high school. And if you look at my 10th grade versus my 11th grade ID, it's an entirely different person. Like, I – I didn't really lose weight, but I got taller, thinner, leaner. Like literally, like boosted my confidence so much. It like taught me a real discipline and aiming for goals and stuff that are hard.
0: Yeah, like the best no, things that happened to me. That's extraordinary. And and just to even add on to that, I I I feel the ex- it's weird. I feel like our experiences are very very similar. But yeah, that's super that's super cool. I feel like one thing that I never realized you know, that took me a long time to learn. It's like, you know, uh, that, that you learn from doing something like that is that it doesn't really how matter how much, how hard you can work in one day. I mean, that's like, that's huge, right? How much can you get done in one day? But really what, what's important in in actually accomplishing something or like affecting real change to your body or to like, you know, doing, uh, like building a business or something is like, what can you do every day? Right? Like, how can you, how can you consistently, Make a put this into your routine to like make incremental progress onto the next thing, and I think sports are are huge or like those those like personal training sports right I did cross country and running in in like middle school, I never did it in high school I swam in high school, I sucked at swimming <laughs> yeah <y'all> really <laughs> good stuff um but yeah, it's like that's when you begin to realize it's like okay cool, if I do this a little bit every day, like you know i I can get better at it and and eventually you get exponentially better because especially with swimming swimming's weird because it's like there's there's these little weird techniques that if you do them right uh then you can get way better way faster but if you don't know about them then you i don't know so it's it's like it's like it's like you know incremental growth but then and then suddenly it's exponential growth once you actually like understand the techniques and stuff anyway um cool i think that's awesome um great you were fixing your grades and taking ap classes tell me about that experience
1: yeah. So I, I remember every kid has like a meeting at the end of 10th grade where so our school doesn't offer APs until you're in 11th or 12th grade because small school I think we only had seven AP classes total. Yeah. um And like AP U.S. History, AP Lit and Language, um, AP Biology um, and a few others. But those are the main ones I took. I can't, maybe I took one more. Um, but yeah I remember like uh, sitting down with my advisor and you have this meeting at the end of 10th grade where they're like hey are you going to take AP classes or not and basically like my advisor is like look Jake like you don't have the grades to really take AP classes and I was like I was like yeah but like look at my test scores and she's like that's true like definitely got like the test scores to back it up but like I I don't know how this is going to work I'm like listen just like I basically was like just give me a chance like I can do this trust me like like it was a big moment for me of like okay like now I'm in like the big boy classes i need yeah. to like step it up a little bit Man up. it was hard it was hard at first uh, i remember still got it. i got like a 60 my first two um quarters of ap u.s history and my teacher who's also my cross-country coach he was like hey look like i know like you're putting in the work in cross-country and stuff i know you're capable of this like i talk talked to you on a daily basis so like just step it up a little bit and yeah shout out to mr glass he's uh, cool dude. um but yeah, I, I remember like you know I decided you're right. You just start putting in the work, and I did, and I got a decent score on the AP exam, got my credits for, for college, which was awesome, um, and yeah, that was that was, a big thing for me too, like um, just kind of realizing like what I'm interested in too. So a big part of that was uh just the people that never like I guess what I always needed was like teachers that didn't give up on me like a lot of teachers because I was a bad kid would just give up on me right like they'd be like oh this kid's a troublemaker forget about him um let's just focus on the kids who behave Uh, which honestly like perfectly reasonable like they that's no (laughs) no one should no one should force them to go above and beyond right Right. if they don't want to but but a big shout out to the ones that did like my French teacher Miss Wilcox she was fantastic super sweet always like was there to help me out and uh I didn't do well in her classes but she was always like always gave me a chance you know always wanted to, to see what I could do and told me like you know you're so smart Like you could just if you just like sat down and focused, you could do great things and who really brought it home for me was like my engineering teacher because I always really liked math and science even like in sixth grade I knew that I really wanted to get into like math and science
2: mm-hmm.
1: and my engineering teacher in eighth grade Mr. Hanley um he, like, he's a no-nonsense kind of, he's a fun guy. Like, I remember if you were, if you were talking in this class while he was talking, he had rubber bands and snap you with a rubber band. <laughs> like, that kind of a teacher oh, cool. was great. Super funny guy. Um, and always stayed, always stayed to the last possible hour after school, helping kids out, like, oh, cool. great, great dude. Um, and he really taught me, like, hey, you know, if you want to, if you want to do well at this, like, your your intelligence just isn't going to take you all the way. Like, you need to actually apply yourself and stuff. And he was a big motivation. And he, changing my ways a little bit. Um, so yeah, just all I needed was like people that didn't give up on me. So now that when I see kids acting like that, I like, a lot of people would just be like, oh, they're just a bad kid. But for me, I'm like, you know, maybe maybe they're looking for someone to help them out.
0: Right, right, yeah, no, cool, that's awesome. Cool, um, you joined a club called Masterminds Club. What was that? Oh,
1: so yeah, so that's just high school trivia. That's like, uh, it's think like Jeopardy, but instead of picking categories, the category is already predefined and the questions are kind of randomized. Um, two teams, you play against different schools and, uh, super fun time. You just, cool. it's like after school, you travel to other, um, schools, they travel to your school, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And I was kind of a know-it-all. So it was like a good outlet for me to just be like, look at all this weird stuff that I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was captain, I was captain of the team for a couple years. You're
0: captain. Awesome. Yeah. Are, do you kill it at trivia night? You're, you're the guy, you
1: know, you'd think
0: I would, I I'm, I'm okay.
1: Like, I'm definitely pretty, I'm pretty good at trivia, but there are what, like, you get humbled when you go to trivia nights at yeah. bars
0: and stuff. And some people are dude, like, they've got it. They
1: nail it. Like, no, it's pe- easy. Like, dude, there are people that live for trivia. Like, yeah. um, weird. there's a term for it. It's called like, uh,
0: you've got a, a, a dumpster trap
1: mind dumpster a dumpster, dumpster trap. Tra- okay. you're not necessarily like, you can be really intelligent. Like obviously there's people on, on Jeopardy that like are NASA, like NASA right. engineers and stuff like that. Like super smart people. Uh, but then there's also like, you'll see like bartenders on, yeah on Jeopardy all the time. And you're like, why Like, why are there bar? T- like, why, why aren't they like, you know, why aren't they like a philosopher or like a professor right. or something like that? Right. But they're just, they're not good at synthesizing information, but they're right. really good at retaining and regurgitating information. Yeah. 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 So it really takes that kind of mind. Um, yeah. so there's a lot of people out there that are good at that.
0: That's super true. Yeah, that that difference between, like, you know, like, analyzing and and just like you said, synthesizing information versus just, like, storing it and and retaining it and coming. That's really cool. Um, Cool. So, Mr. Hanley's engineering class. um, Is that who you were talking about with the rubber bands?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I I remember just to talk a little bit more about him. Like, yeah, I remember sitting down with him senior year. Um, He was writing my recommendation letters for me. And I remember him having just a heart-to-heart with me saying, like, hey, you know, I saw, like, a lot of improvement with you in my classes. And, like, I know that, like, you can really do you're, – you're, like, you know, one of the more – I don't want to, like, beat myself up because, like, you're one of the more intelligent kids that I've taught in these last few years. And, like, I know you can do great things if you really put yourself to it. Like, you can do anything you want. You can be – an English, you can be a writer, you can be an engineer, you can be a scientist, you can do whatever you want. Just, like, remember to put everything that you're doing – put genuine effort into it. And I never forgot that conversation. We met at a coffee house. He gave me the recommendation letter. I never read it. I wish that I had, you know, you're not supposed to read your recommendation letters, but like, gotcha. I always wanted to see what he would have written, but I, I guess it was probably good stuff.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah, that's huge. Okay. And uh, taking five years of French and not knowing a single sentence. Oh yeah.
1: Sorry, Miss Wilcox. Yeah. I talked <laughs> about Miss Wilcox a little bit. I just like, I know for, I, I, it was kind of a case where what I was talking about a little bit, like I, was really good at retaining all of the buzzwords and stuff. I knew as much as I needed to get by. Right. Um, but I could never, like, synthesize conversations or, like, gotcha. you know. I know, like, uh, j'ai mangé steak frites, which is, like, I ate steak fries. Uh, <laughs> or, or uh, uh, I mean, everyone knows. Um, I, I can't remember, but the one with, that's, like, do you want to sleep with me tonight? Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. I, I know, like, all the
0: dumb little things um, <laughs> but. wow you really don't you haven't retained much of that at all that's hilarious that's so funny Uh, but funny moment about that was
1: uh so when you take a language class uh you either have to do language or music if you want to graduate
0: in new york state right you remember that right I, i didn't realize that i think i did both but okay yeah okay yeah yeah.
1: so you like i think it's a requirement you have to either do like a couple years of language or music um and then you have to take a regents test you remember the regents
0: uh yes, I actually yeah, the German regents. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So so like most classes have regions tests, which are like the end of the year exam. Yep. And I remember for French, um I I was like real struggling with with the exam. And I don't know how, but I, I somehow uh so so Miss Wilcox, came over to me like when I was like the last ten questions of the exam. And I remember or no, it was actually I'd finished the exam, but I had a bunch of questions that I were like questionable. And I remember her like like, I don't want to out Miss Wilcox, but, like, she, like, kind of helped me cheat a little bit. On a I would, like, point, I would point to what I thought it was, and she would kind of, like, nod, and I would circle around. She, like, low-key... <laughs> and and I, I thought at the time, I thought I really need this help. I was like, I'm yeah. barely going to pass this. Like, I need this to graduate. Like, I'm not retaking this class. Like, I don't want to be a loser that has to retake French class. <laughs> um, so I thought I really needed help. Turns out I got a fucking 95 on the exam. That's great. Yeah. I, th- that's like proof to, that's just proof of like how, I don't know no French right now. I know <laughs> no French. But I'm just good at knowing, I guess, what I need to, just enough of what I need to know to
0: like do well at the the time, but I didn't retain any of it. Hey, that's all right. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I view school, that's how I kind of viewed college eventually. It was just like, oh, like, you know, like I need this, I need this, section of my life to, uh, you know, I need this piece of paper. What do I have to know in order to get this piece of paper? And then eventually, I don't know, that's probably not a productive way to view education. I think you, you know, I think, I think you absorb enough information to like have that perspective change, you know, as you just naturally go through education. Right. So I don't know. I, it shocks me when people can like recall crystallized information from their courses like that. I don't think that's a normal thing that, that humans can do is that, I don't know. Do you meet a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, in this, we learned this at this point in my life, or I don't know.
1: So if I actually pay attention, I think I can be one of those people. Really? But that's rare that I do, unless it's like a math class. In a math class, I, I just dig math, so I can do that a little bit for math. Yes. Um, but not a lot with like historical facts and stuff. Like I'm not super keen there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's a weird thing.
0: Yeah. Um, one of your, uh, bullets here says that, uh, you had a, um, you had a passion for math and it has a lot of stars next to it. So when did you kind of discover that? And, um,
1: yeah, probably around sixth grade. I remember, you know, I remember feeling bad because I was, so there was like a accelerated math program in my school where like basically in sixth grade math, depending on your grades, you either got put in two camps, you got put in like the normal grade, or no, it was actually three kids. So you either got put in like no, the normal kids, the advanced math kids, or the dumb math kids, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I got put in the normal math kids, and I remember being really upset by that because I enjoyed math, and I was like, oh, man. And I remember thinking like, you know, like I really enjoy math. I should like pursue this. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I should, I should like that's that's where really planted the roots of of engineering school in my head of like, you know, why am I upset by this? I'm like, oh, it's because I like math, so I'm like bummed that I won't learn the Maths quickly as the other kids will be. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Cool. And so eventually you learned so much of it that you became an engineer. That's awesome. There are two amazing bullet points at the end of this list. It says, losing your virginity and having your first kiss on the same day. Can I please tell me about that immediately? I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I put that in there on purpose, just because it's a story that I was ashamed of for a little while. Um, so basically, this girl at my school she she came to school in ninth grade and very attractive very attractive but like very promiscuous uh young lady <laughs> and uh you know we we kind of became friends like um through all the ninth grade and then I remember you know uh, she was kind of flirty always, but we never really did anything and then one night she invites me uh to drink at her friend's place and it's a small school, so I know all these people too. And I just remember thinking like, "Oh man, something's gonna go down if I do this. <laughs> something's gonna go down." Um, and of course, I'm young and I'm horny. I've never had a girl, like a real girlfriend. Uh, I've never had my girlfriend. first kiss. Yeah, I've never had my first kiss. So I guess there's a lot of pressure. You know, there's a lot of pressure on young it's guys. Freaking so like, out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm am t- 15 years old. I've never had my first kiss. Like it's that's a lot of pressure, dude. So I was like, you know, I gotta take the shot. I was still pretty awkward. I wasn't the popular kid yet, so uh, i like I'm, super
0: bad vibes. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had, I had a lot of shame about it afterwards. But yeah, it is. It is very like a super bad story. So I jump on my bike. <laughs> I no joke. I ride. Oh man, I it is like five miles. I biked five <laughs> miles to get laid. So. <laughs> I, I, buy yeah, in the, oh, in the rain too, it was raining, I forgot about that, yeah, it, it was just like an adventurous story, but I get there, and they're all drinking, hanging out, it's late, it's like ten thirty by the time I get there, um, they're like, oh, we're all gonna go to bed soon, she's like, hey, you can like go in this room with me, and I'm like, okay, so, so I did, and we started making out, and, uh, and that's your first kiss, first, first time making out, I don't know how oh I'm doing God. at all, and she, like, gets down to, like, Wow. You know, dealing up a little bit. Things yeah. escalate. It all happens. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, that was, it just kind of happened naturally. And afterwards I was like, well, I just got to check, 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 like down the list, <laughs> done.
0: <laughs> just leveled up. There you go. And we're done. Nice. And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> so offic- it was very efficient wow uh, yeah that, you yeah. know that's so funny for me it was like oh cool like it was just like years of just like freaking out at every little next milestone of just like okay I kissed her oh that's great oh I did it nice job and then just like another two years of just like
1: <laughs> well I think this girl was so experienced that like to her it was like oh of course he slept with another girl before so I don't think she even knew
0: that, oh my that, God. Yeah, I don't I think, think she, she knew eventually I mean you can't not know right like you yeah just
1: <laughs> yeah but it was uh yeah I remember feeling a lot of shame about that too because obviously people found out and um yeah oh know, I was at, I was that yeah, like? yeah and I yeah I guess I guess you know I felt a lot of shame about it initially but looking back I'm like oh those are a really good way to realize that like it doesn't really matter what other people think like in the right. in the long term like you know you're going to be the person you're going to be and you might as well have some fun, like, yeah. Have some fun. Live life and live life in your own lane. Like everyone progresses different. Like you said, you had like a very long, you know, kind of spread out journey in your romance life, and mine was just kind of like boom, all at once. Mine was awful, yeah, all at once. So, cool. You know, just kind of learn to be who I am.
0: I love it. I love it. This last bullet says you were throwing parties at your mom's barn. That sounds great. Barn party.
1: Yeah, so I still I still had stints of being a bad kid in high school. Um, one of those was like throwing parties, you know, for all the kids. But like I said, my mom my mom still owned that house in the middle of the woods, so uh, you know it was it was expected that every year after prom someone would host an after prom party that all the kids would hang out at. But my year it allegedly wasn't going to happen. Oh no! And my brother, so my brother uh, and sister above me. Had hosted the parties for their respective years, so I was like, I'm, it's my time. I'm gonna take up the mantle. I'm gonna host these parties." So I did, and I remember um, the first year, uh, someone someone spread a rumor that like the cops were gonna shut it down and stuff, and like a couple of teachers questioned me about it. and I was like, "Oh, I don't oh, even know what, oh boy, what the
0: teachers are asking." That's a that sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I lied. I lied about it. I was like, "Oh, it's not happening. It's not not gonna happen." uh and of course it did and it was very successful and it went over well um but yeah yeah th- those were a lot of fun those nights uh partying at my barn i have an old the dilap- well we had she sold the house but we had gotcha. an old dilapidated barn and partying out in front of it with a
0: bonfire
1: and like it was like classic country kids like hell yeah uh, truck trucks with their pickup backed up with speakers and like you know playing oh that's
0: dope yeah yeah it was it was a really good time that sounds awesome. Cool. Um, all right. Let me go ahead and summarize part three. So um, you, uh, you joined and star in High School Musical. It's the one with the mattresses that I forgot the name of. Um, you joined the cross-country team, start shedding some pounds, start learning to invest in yourself, learning to run. Did you do cross-country for wh- all four years? Just the last two. Just Just the last swim-
1: two. Same as swimming, yeah.
0: Cool. Awesome. Um, cool. And then you started, uh, you know, kind of meeting more teachers that actually invested more in you, even though you were kind of a bad kid. Um, and you know, kind of fixed your grades, took some AP courses, um, joined masterminds club, became really great at trivia, your trivia, God, um, never learned much French. (laughs) Love that. Found a passion for math. Um, uh, Mr. Hanley had a particular, uh, strong influence on you. Um, you attended your first party, uh, when your brother was home from college. I don't think we heard that story. Um, oh
1: yeah that was my first experience with alcohol actually um, there you go so, yeah like I said my brother used to have parties at my mom's place so this was one of his last ones it was his freshman year of college I believe so he had a bunch of his college friends over and I was like oh shit. and I remember him saying like you know Jake I'm having this party tonight and I'm not really sure if I want you to be there and I was like oh please like let me be there I was 14 I'm like please, please, oh boy. This is freshman year yeah and eventually he agrees um and all his friends come over, like oh man this is so cool like all of these all these graduate kids and kids from his college and stuff. And uh, I got wasted. And we played Pong together. Like, it was a really great bonding exchange awesome. my brother and oh, I. Yeah. So we, were, we were always kind of at odds, but this was a good good night. Um, yeah, Yeah. Cool. I, got, I got fucked up.
0: Yeah, there you go, good stuff. Um, then you eventually lost your virginity and had your first kiss on the same night with a promiscuous ninth grader. Um, and uh, you threw an after prom party at your mom's barn. That's awesome. Guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Life Story with Noah Chrysler. Jake is awesome. Guys, this episode of Life Story with Noah Chrysler is brought to you by Modern Estate Planning. Here is a hard truth. Every one of you listening to this will die someday. When that happens, sometimes people leave behind a ton of problems that they're, for their friends and family to solve. After funeral costs, some people die poorer than the day they were born. And worse yet, if you don't have a will or you have a bad will, your family members can end up battling in court over the things you leave behind. They'll have to pay a ton of lawyer fees, and usually when the process is all over, they'll all end up hating each other and never speaking to each other ever again. Why make your family members go through that when instead you could take steps right now to plan the legacy that you leave behind? If you're in the Atlanta area, the best option you have is modern estate planning. Modern estate planning offers professional modern estate plans for the modern family. We've helped hundreds of families in the Atlanta area protect their legacies and avoid court. If you live in the Atlanta area and you don't have an estate plan or you have estate planning questions, give us a call at 404-620-3793. That's 404-620-3793. Guys, again, thanks so much for listening to this. And I don't know, I think Jake is really, really cool. Guys, in terms of the show, um, we are, I'm trying to ratchet up production value in a substantial way. We have a studio. Uh, We just filmed an episode of the studio here. I'm also trying to think of ways that this show can be better for you as a listener. If you have suggestions, comment them, please, or send them to me, and I would love to listen to them. If you guys could go ahead and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. I don't know if this is on Apple Podcasts yet, but if if, if you're listening to it there, it definitely is. So go ahead, give us a five-star review or a like, comment, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel Um, That really, really helps us out. Again, we're going to ratchet these things up. We're going to change some things about this show. We're going to try to do them in person. And I'm really, really excited. Ultimately, my vision for this show is to pull someone in off the street, like a stranger that I've never met, see if I can get comfortable with them, see if I can get them to take a couple hours out of their day and talk to me and then tell me, you know, their story uh, from the beginning to where they're currently at um in the same way we're doing this now but with with a stranger who at you know who might be crazy and i don't know i'm really excited for that i've wanted to do this show for a long long time you know i've loved podcasts i i think i love talking to people i can already feel myself changing as i talk to more people um and listen to more people and you know we we've talked recently about the mission of this show it's adapting and changing as we go but really i think the core mission is to help people broaden their perspectives and to learn new things, um, and to learn and really to like take control and take agency of their lives and realize that they're in control and they can make decisions that affect like what happens. Um, and so that has been happening to me. I've like connected a lot of dots and like my perspective has kind of grown, I think, um, after listening to other people for hours. So yeah, I hope that's happening for you too. And I hope you enjoy these. And if you guys, I know this is weird, but if you could share this, uh, if this was at all meaningful for you, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Have a good one. Thanks so much for watching. Okay, great. Part four is entitled college at RIT and manifesting my potential. Um, Cool. Let's hear about that. Promising myself to really focus on school. So yeah. Why did you choose RIT and uh, what prompted, you know, these new feelings about education?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't have the grades to get into, you know, like in MIT or, um, you know, Stevens Institute or Caltech or something like that. So, and I knew that even though I, I kind of knew I had maybe the intelligence to get there. Um, but I thought, okay, let's shoot for a realistic goal. And Rice is really close. I, I always kind of knew that it was somewhere I would probably end up heading. Um, and I want to become someone that comes out of college with a great job. Like I had these aspirations in high school of like, you know, working for like a Microsoft or Facebook or something like that. Like I was like, I know I can do this if I really put my mind to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really told myself that I'm like, Hey, like no more of the partying, no more of of being the class clown like really you got to buckle down and focus on school um and I did that for the most part yeah I got uh I don't think I ever got a 4.0 I got close though I got like three three nine five some semesters and stuff uh yeah just really focused on school I had my fair share of fun which we'll get into but um yeah just knowing that that I had so much potential and that I kept on thinking of that conversation with Mr. Hanley and like knowing that I could be more than what I was doing right now and if I you know, we both listen to Jordan Peterson, and he talks about that a lot. And that's why I resonate with him so much because I already had those thoughts about myself of like I had so many opportunities that if I had just capitalized them in the proper way, I could be so much better than where I'm at. So I got to take advantage of this opportunity that I'm given going to college.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jake, that's, I think why we kind of started to connect a little bit more, you know, when, um, we both, you know, shared an interest for Jordan Peterson and Jordan Peterson's like talks and lectures and stuff. And I, I feel the same way you do. I, I had someone take me aside when I was really young and they were like, you know, if you actually like went all in like academically and you actually like, you know, tried at this, like you would be extraordinarily great at all of these things. And like, you just aren't trying these things. And I, you know, it's sad, but I never, I mean, That just wasn't on my, like, even today. I mean, I just hate, I hate having someone hand me a list of, like, hoops to jump through and then, like, having to jump through them. It's like, no. Like, I realize now that, like, it's like, I, if I get the chance to make my own hoops, right, like, I will jump. I will jump higher than you've ever seen anyone jump, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I'm choosing the hoop, okay? And if someone hands me a list of syllabus of hoops, it's like, that's, that is, a I hate that, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I love Jordan Peterson and, and, uh, that that's your, I totally feel you when it's like, yeah, I've watched, I look back at my life and I view all of these opportunities that I've totally fumbled and missed and, and yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, cool. Great. So you met your freshman roommate through Facebook and then eventually you met your two future roommates, two dudes from Mexico.
1: Yeah. So, part of, you know, getting accepted to most colleges is you join the Accepted Students Facebook page. And I remember I was like, oh, I need to stand out a little bit. I want to find a good roommate. And um, so I made this post that was kind of like a dating profile. It was like, oh, you know, I'm Jake. I'm I'm 17 years old. I'm uh, interested in, you know, I think I finished it with like, I like long walks on the beach. Yes. Stuff stuff like that. And, um, you know, I got some responses. People were like, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. This one I'm into. Um, But then I got one that was like a copy of that where he took the he, he took the joke and ran with it and sent me his profile and I was like, This is the dude, I like this guy. Um so yeah, he was a um uh Tristan, kind of like a Puerto Rican American from uh New York City. And basically we just kind of on a whim, um, started hanging out and I'd say first semester of college, we weren't super close. It was kinda of like, Hey, what's up, dude? What are you doing tonight? Blah blah blah. But then second semester we started having some deep talks at night, you know. Um, really a down-to-earth, chill sort of dude. Uh, talked about struggles with classes and all that and really bonded. Like, we're, we're still great friends. He just called me last week. Like, we're very tight. Uh, so, yeah. Like, I, I think at that point, I had dealt with so many people in my life, both bad and good. I've developed a very strong compass um, for character. Very strong. So I can, tell, I can tell within 30 minutes of chatting with someone whether or not they're the kind of person that's going to um, be better for me in my life or be a hindrance or drag me down in any way. Like, yeah. I, I'm pretty good about that. So cool. I, I can that tell definitely you. definitely puts just me just on edge. Me what am I bad. doing, Jake? Jesus Christ. Oh, you're, you're solid, you're solid, no worries at all. <laughs>
0: Good stuff. Cool. Okay, cool. That sounds awesome. I, man, I wish. I, my roommates, I, I, I love you, Connor, but I don't think we were super tight, man. But um, cool. Maybe he's watching. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> um, cool. You, you then met two roommates from Mexico.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's a funny story. Um, first semester. I, so RIT, as you know, like RIT is like pretty annoying in that you need to find your roommates for next year, the first semester of the previous year. Really? Which, yeah, yeah. You don't remember that?
0: I mean, I don't think so. I don't know. I always was terrible about that part of everything. I was just like, what do I got to do? Okay, I'll do the bare minimum. And then I just kind of kept going. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's a lot of pressure because you have like, so you get to school in August and then you have
1: till November to find out who you're living with next year. And I was like, oh God, this is so much pressure. Um, But in my Calc class, I was good friends with a guy there, Pablo, who's from Mexico. I think you, you, are you familiar with Pablo Puerto um i yeah, was we yeah. to with Oscar.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and man, I know you guys awesome. are Oh my family. god, he's the best.
1: Yeah, so I met Pablo and we started hanging out. Um and then you know, Pablo took me back to his uh like basically we were we were walking back from Cal, cal class actually and uh we were like, Okay, like this is my building, see you later And he's like, Wait, I live in this building too. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So then we get into the building and then we're walking up the stairs, I'm like, Oh this is my floor, I guess I'll I'll get off and he's like, Dude, I live in this floor too. And we're literally a room apart from each other. Oh, that's so so funny! Yeah, so then I met his roommate Daniel. We started hanging out. I would go over to their dorm room all the time, um, and eventually they asked me if I wanted to live with them the next year. So we we lived together uh, sophomore and junior year. Cool, cool, and just really, really cool guys. Like, they're both phenomenally rich, but phenomenal people. Like, really, you never know it. You never know that these guys, these guys' families were loaded, right? But but because they're so humble, hardworking, like nothing but praise for these guys. And they're, you know,
0: that's great. Defi- I feel like that's, that's rare,
1: awesome. Very yeah. And there are definitely times that I, I feel like I didn't bond with them as much as I could have. Um, Cause there were, there were times I, I sort of like sacrificed, I guess my relationships with friends for focusing on school a little bit more mm-hmm. and um, and I feel bad about those times. So yeah, like, like I, I distinctly remember a time where I was like using Pablo's car all the time and like we got in a fight over it and stuff. And it was like, you know, kind of shitty on my part, like, like a little bit of, using my dad's sort of ethics of like focus on yourself first then maybe focus on other people. And I was like, maybe I should pull back a bit from
0: that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, hating your life at Tim Hortons, uh, for your first summer, you worked at Tim Hortons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, Oh man. I, if, if you haven't worked in the service industry, you have no idea what, what it's like, what real patience is like, Yeah. right? Like people giving you crap, treating you like you don't exist or even worse, like you're the scum of the earth. Like it is hard. It's hard work. And I worked there my freshman to sophomore summer. Um, and I remember seeing all my friends off on their internship because I was in a major that didn't require co-ops. So for gotcha. people that aren't familiar what with what major what was it? Imaging science.
0: Imaging, Imaging science. science. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically camera engineering. For people that aren't familiar with the co-op system, RIT has uh, many degrees that require you to go off and actually get internships with real companies. So you get real working experience in the field you're doing. It's great because it lets you learn if you actually want to do that as a career. Uh, But my major didn't require it. So I remember my first summer, I'm like, all right, I need to get a job. Uh, So I got a job at the three-way stop Tim Hortons that was right by me. By the way, the truckers, so a lot of truckers and a lot of tourists, truckers are the best people because they understand what it's like working the long hours and, like, people giving them shit. So they're super nice giving you the best tips. Tourists are the shittiest. Like, oh, God.
0: I want my frappuccino now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So entitled. Like, terrible, terrible. Um, But, yeah, I I distinctly remember working 11 days straight, which I'm pretty sure was illegal. Uh, for my age for my age but regardless I worked 11 days straight um one time or 11 days with a shift at least and uh I I just remember like on the 11th day being like I can't do this like I'd rather this this isn't for me man like if this is the it really gave me that taste of like this is what's in store for you if you don't kick it into a higher year yeah and and I was like oh god like people live their whole lives this way and you I, I I used to think that's like oh people that work at at uh you know like the grocery store or the um coffee store are lazy but it's like no like it's like a crime like it drains the hell out of you and uh, I, yeah it, it's just a trap you get caught in right yeah. if you don't you stay there too long
0: um, I mean, I don't. I I I know a lot of people who do who you know work those jobs and and they do great work and stuff. But yeah, it's like those people don't work any less hard than someone who no. you know is. I mean, you know, Elon Musk is is not sleeping and working you know for twenty three hour periods at a time and like that sort of thing. But like you know, I mean, they they work just as hard as a lot of people who are you know middle class, if not better off. You know, and and yeah, it's, um, it can be brutal. And you're totally right. It's like yeah, it's it's kind of like this this thing that you get uh, put in. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. I I served coffee for years and and uh, didn't love it. I wasn't good at it. I would always mess up the drinks and then like have to make them again. And just like and I would do it and the second time, I would still mess it up. And so I'd do it a third. Time. <laughs> like I was terrible at that. Absolutely yeah. awful. Cool. You taught yourself to code.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I went into. So I went to a small school, and small schools really are at a disadvantage when it comes to learning particular skills, right? So we had one coding class, and I took it, and it was just basic, like, visual basic, if you know anything about it, just if statements, and nothing complicated, like, just doing basic things, like, we played, we made, like, little games, if you could call them that, on yeah within like a virtual environment and stuff and like nothing nothing complicated at all and I remember getting to college and like there were kids that like had already worked for Microsoft and like had all this this IT experience I was like holy shit like it was like definitely a wake-up call of like whoa you were behind you are behind so I really took it on myself like like every coding class and every chance I got I really like went above and beyond and tried to learned as much as I could because I knew that I was behind and I would just be at the same level if I worked twice as hard as that Mm -hmm. so so that's what I did and um there was one class that was actually really helpful for that so my very first semester of college um one of the hardest classes I took just because of my lack of experience into the computing and control it assumed so much knowledge that I just didn't have on on coding and it was it was super trial by fire like they assumed you knew like python already and I was like holy shit like I got in there and I didn't know what a class was, I didn't know what, you know, an object was. Object oriented programming completely formed mm-hmm. to me. So I, I really that was with a rubber met the road and I was like all right this is real shit get, get on it you know and
0: uh, yeah another yeah. another kind of run before you walk type of a situation you got to like go yeah. back and learn the basics cool now did you did you feel like you were struggling and and like drowning in that or did you oh yeah oh yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. first semester I was drowning for sure like it was definitely like freshman year crisis of like pulling my hair out like oh yeah. my god like all nighters probably three or four times a semester like wow. lots of yeah yeah lots of
0: <laughs> were action. you were you Surrounded by people who felt the same way, or was most yeah. of everybody okay?
1: So there was definitely some kids in that class that had a lot of experience that were um, that were already ahead and helped out, out the other kids that were like me, like cool. kind of at a disadvantage. Uh, but yeah, most people were like, "Oh man, this is this class is rough." And that was definitely a weed out class for my major of like, "Are you willing to like really step it up and take on this kind of a mantle?"
0: Right. Cool. Man, I've I. Uh... I, I, I spoke to Andrew Atheist about um, his experience with uh, coding and stuff, and he uh, mentioned that same thing, where it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like sitting down in a different, a, a course for a different language, right? A math course that's taught in like a language that you yeah. don't speak.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they call it language for a reason. Like, right. it's a different way of thinking. It's, it's really a different way of, it's, it's so structured. And you have to plan so far ahead. It was so foreign to anything I had done. Cause you think about me, like I'm like a very ad hoc person of like, Oh, I'll just do it when it comes down. But you can't do that in coding, like right you need to you need to plan things out far in advance when you're building them.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, Great. So you, uh, you went to the career fair Um, and uh, you, the first time you were unprepared. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the first time I went was the first semester. So after I'd had that experience at Tim Hortons, I decided like, you've got to get an internship even though your major doesn't require it you're not wasting your summers you're gonna do some real work and decide if you really want this this major to be the career that you have and um first semester I showed up to the career fair uh wearing just like like tan jeans and a t-shirt and I was yeah. like I saw people in suits and everything with like full resumes and i'm like oh i'm not prepared for this like <laughs> I, that was another experience where it's like i gotta step it up yeah um so obviously i didn't land anything that semester that uh semester but i went to my dad and i'm like listen like i laid out the plan for him and i was like i gotta get a job i gotta do this he's like all right i'm gonna buy you a suit so we went to men's warehouse then nicely like props to my dad like he you know he was never the kind of parent that he didn't go out of his way to help you but if you were like hey, I need help with this. He'd yeah. be like, let's get it done. You know, like he was awesome. very much like if you have the effort to put it in, he'll give it you it back. Right. Cool. Yeah. So we we got a suit, worked on my resume together and walked in the next career fair. And uh, yeah, actually I didn't get a job initially, but I got a few interviews. I actually got an interview with Microsoft, which was crazy to me. I was like, holy shit. Cool. Like I can't, I can't believe I just walked in here and like yeah, I guess I was personable enough because that's really what it is. Just having right. a personality skills. Though, like, yeah. yeah, it's just soft skills initially. Um, and uh, I, I remember I didn't get anything else, though, uh, until at the very end, I was walking around getting swag. And uh, a lot of my life is like this, where I just stay around longer. I just have more staying power than everyone else. And something <laughs> comes out of that.
2: Right. Cool. Okay. So,
1: so I, I stayed to like the last hours of the career fair and um, I didn't end up getting that Microsoft job, but I was pumped because I got it. I got the interview. And uh I remember there was this one place that was handing out stuffed parakeets and I was like, Oh, let me talk to these people. I want to get one of those parakeets. And, <laughs> and I walk up and the guy's like, Hey, what's going on? My name's Jake. I'm like, Oh, my name's Jake too. He's like, Oh, cool. Well, let me show you about these cameras. And I was like, Oh. I'm an imaging guy? What- major. Yeah, yeah, I'm an imaging guy. I didn't see you guys on the list from a major. And he's like, Oh, we'll have to mark that down next time. Basically, what he, he explains. Wow. Is like, he's like, Yeah, we're like uh Imaging science, basically it's like, we're what an imaging was? science company. We do remote sensing, which is they, they basically put cameras in planes and take images like cool. satellite would of the ground. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's awesome. Here's my resume. Here's the classes I've taken. He's like, I think you're a perfect fit. So I got a call and <laughs> he got on the phone. I eventually got the internship. I moved to Boston for that summer. Um, all This is all within like a few months span. And dude, that internship was dope. Fairly like a medium sized company. Um, And like I said, in Boston, North Andover, super beautiful during the summer. I love Boston. Um, And I get to fly in planes to test out their imaging systems. I worked on, like, calibration tools while I was there. Super hardcore engineering, surrounded by, like, tons of older engineers who were super nerdy and, like, wanted to help me out. It's such a a great environment. I love that place. Air Optics. Shout out to Air Optics. Optics. Cool.
0: I love that I love story. It. Cause you know, it. I mean, I think, I think people, uh, I think that's a sales environment, right? A career fair is like selling 100%. yourself, you know? And so I think, I think a lot of people think that the best way to be good at sales is to convert all the people that tell you no, no. into yeses. Right. And that's not no. it at all. It's like the, the, the best way to do sales is like just get through as many people as you can. No, it's, no, a, numbers it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. Yeah. numbers game. And the law of large numbers, right? Eventually you'll meet someone where it's like, this is the perfect opportunity. Like, it sounds like you did, right? Uh, Instead of trying to, you know, force your way into this Microsoft position, you find this other imaging science position that wasn't even on the list, you know, um, and it eventually works out because you stayed for a really long time.
1: And I was completely unqualified for the Microsoft position. Like I showed up to the interview and I was like, I'm not ready for this. You know, I can tell. Um, but so it was, it was really an opportune moment, but you're absolutely right. Like, yeah. Any advice for anyone that's looking for a job right now? Yeah. Like it's all the numbers game. Don't take anything on face value. Like just because you had a good conversation with a recruiter does not mean you get a job. They're basically hired to have good conversations. So like, Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Like. They're friendly. They're the friendliest people at the company. So yeah, they're, they're all there. Yeah. yeah it, it doesn't mean anything. So just focus on what's good for you. And like you think the company
1: would be a good fit and uh, yeah, you'll, you'll know when you find it.
0: Yeah. And, and the other tip, no, I, it's just cause I think this will make a great standalone clip. Um, I, I think, uh, I think one thing that people do is they, they immediately jump to like blaming the employer if they don't get a position or they don't get an opportunity. And oh, I think, it's a
1: numbers game on the other side too. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there are a thousand you's that they got applications for. Like if they miss you, odds are, it wasn't because you weren't qualified, it's just because you didn't make the cut.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've hired people now too, and it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's extreme. It's a, there's, a, okay. there's an extreme amount of information to sift through. So, so Jordan Peterson has a quote about this as well. And he says, you know, set your house in order before you go and criticize the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that that applies perfectly to like preparing for a job search, right? Because I yeah. think a lot of people they, they slap a resume together that doesn't, you know, really embody and like their, who they are and their experiences. And, um, you know, they just say, okay, well, I followed this template and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I think if you, for me, cause I was in more of a creative field. It's like, if you build the resume, um, you know, you, and you, and you take actual steps to say, okay, cool. this job, what, what useful things, could this this experience from my life provide this potential employer right you're more than a piece of
1: paper? Yeah Sure. Yeah,
0: but you know set your house in order right focus on that resume well sure you're more than a piece of paper, but like They don't see you, you know, like you're going into a CRM or you know a, a Applicant tracking system, right? So yeah. cool. They're not gonna they're not gonna say hey. Oh, that's Noah They're gonna say oh cool. This guy has this experience, right? um Cool. So, so do that. And then also build a website. I, I feel like if, if you're doing anything, especially- credit fields. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But even in engineering, you can post projects there. And
0: I mean, for coders, GitHub is the way Exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, so I don't even think it's just, I don't know. I think almost any other major, you know, any, any field, it's like make a, build a website because I mean, and maybe, maybe it might be a waste of time. You're right. It might be a waste of time. Right. But, but if you are going to find that perfect opportunity, right, you need to uh, find a way for the other people to interact and engage with you, like, and, and your work and your abilities and, and, um, if you, if you build a website and you actually like give something, like give someone the opportunity to spend 10 minutes interacting with your yeah. accomplishments.
1: By the like, way, the sponsor of this podcast is Squarespace, guys. So <laughs> <if you> wanna, <laughs> links in the description.
0: Use that code NOAHC.
1: Noah it <laughs> <your first> <laughs> It'd be
0: my favorite. No, Audible. Audible would be my favorite sponsorship. I love audiobooks. Um, cool. You got into climbing at the RIT Red Barn. I mean, yeah. Like every kid does at RIT. Yeah, uh, I joined it, once. I paid the fee, and then I never went back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they made most of their money that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I joined with
1: another, like, awesome dude that I found there. Uh, Ryan Tatu, good friend of mine now. He's actually yeah. visiting me. I, he fly went to my high school. Oh, no way. You went to Syracuse together? Yeah. Oh, oh that's so cool. Yeah, he's a great dude. Like, I was, I was uh, good yeah, friends super with super hardworking, this- very intelligent. Like, Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, he, yeah I, I love the dude to death. Um, Tara, right? Tara. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been, he's actually flying out here next week to visit me. Oh, uh, cool. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So cool. we're, we're still really tight. Uh, we started climbing together. That's kind of how we got into it. He was like, hey, dude, you want to, you know, take some climbing with me? I'm like, sure. So he uh, so yeah, eventually got way more into it than I did, but I, I was still into it. Um, Climb fairly infrequently. I'm trying to find one in Chicago when it reopens, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just a good way for me to, uh, I've never been coordinated. So it's not a super coordinated sport. Uh, so it fits well right in there. Uh, but it's a good way to work out without feeling like you're working out.
0: Right. Right. It's yeah. fun. It's kind of like a personal challenge. Um, cool. You eventually got a job at Apple. Yeah. Yeah. So, um,
1: you know, I, I think uh, I talk about it in a much uh, down to earth way, much more down to earth way than most people want me to. I feel like most of the time because people are like, Oh man, you worked for Apple. Like, that's crazy. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And like, yeah, it, I mean, it is for sure. Like I wouldn't downplay that at all, but like, um,
0: for me, it was was, it in, kinda, was it in Cupertino or whatever? Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was in
1: San Jose. Um, so yeah, for me, it was like, you know, it was a good opportunity, but, uh, it just fit well with what I wanted to do. And I think that's what resonated with my employers. Like you could see that like my skills aligned with the job description and I didn't, it's like what you said, like I didn't force it too hard. It was just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, this is, seems like a good fit for what I can do and what you're looking for. Um, I had a great conversation with him. I made him laugh once or twice and... Yeah, that's just kind of, I had decent grades, good looking chap. Cool,
0: so you landed the job, but um, uh, later, well in part five, there's, we're, we're gonna retouch that I guess. Yeah. Um, that sounds cool, okay great. So so your first startup idea um, while on vacation, tell me about your first startup.
1: Yeah, so winter's break of junior year, I was visiting Dan and Pablo in Mexico. And I remember, you know, we were at Daniel's house. By the way, his house is fucking gorgeous. His dad's an architect. So his house is like completely glass overlooking cool. Mexico City on a hill. Like, Wow. And when I see like these guys are phenomenally rich, they're phenomenally rich. But anyways, super hospitable. Love his parents. His dad was like, you're like a son to me. Like those kind of people, you know. Oh, like, cool. Yeah. It was yeah, the best. Super, super cool. cool. Um, but anyways, we we're out to eat one of the first mornings there in Mexico City. And I remember like waiting for my check and waiting and I just want to go and see Mexico city. And I was like, this is insane. Like I can't believe we haven't developed a better way of paying for checks where you don't even have to um, ask for the waiter. You can just pay from your phone and leave. Like I can do with Apple pay at stores already. Mm-hmm. And I remember I couldn't get that idea off my mind. Daniel is a business major. He was like, Hey, you should join this class called applied entrepreneurship if you're serious about pursuing this idea. So that's exactly what I did. I joined the class late cause they were still looking for people. Uh, i got in first day of class they they say like you know introduce yourself say what you're working on and find a team find find one or two more people that you could work on this with and uh, i remember everyone stood up and introduced themselves uh, i know i knew that i needed a software engineer right so i'm in i was in computer engineering i sorry um, camera engineering which is completely mm-hmm. unrelated to this so it's like all right i need someone who's just like a pure software engineer to help me out yeah and, uh, Belchin stood up and I, you were, I, you were actually in this class. I was, yeah, yeah, this is where this, we met. yeah, yeah, this is where we met. You were in this class with Oscar yep. and, and Belchin stood up and said like, Hey, my name is Belchin. I'm a software engineer. I worked in China. I had this idea for like a mobile payment app for grocery stores. So I was like, that's the dude. Yep. I, I, I immediately it. knew, I was like, that's the one, that's yep. the guy I want to work with. Um, so afterwards I immediately approached him I'm like, Hey man, I'm thinking of building this payment app. He's like, Oh, that sounds really cool. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to work on it with you. And we touched uh, base later that night and we just started working together right then. It was, it was an instant fit. Um, cool.
0: So yeah. the idea was kind of like point of sale at the table without having to wait for the check and basically make that process easier. Did yeah, you, yeah. How long did it take you to uh, get it like a working prototype and that sort of thing?
1: So to actually build it, it took us about a year to, to, from actually like ideation, making the wireframes to having a working product was about a year. And in that time, we actually went through another program at RIT called uh, the Saunders student accelerator, if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. yeah. So the school gives you a little bit of money and basically you take a semester off of classes to just work on your idea, which was so helpful. Like I love the coaches there. It w- I wouldn't, but I, I, it also wasn't helpful in some ways where they ran out of content about like a third of the way into the semester. Gotcha. So it's kind of like as much as you're willing to move your business forward is how much it will go forward from right. there.
0: What you put um, in is what you get out.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't really worth taking off semester classes, so I graduated a semester later, mm-hmm. which was kind of annoying. But in, in retrospect, I probably wouldn't have done it, but it was great for, like, what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but, but, yeah, we, we eventually ended up launching that product, uh, basically, in three restaurants in Rochester over the summer of my senior year. So, uh, yeah, summer of when I would have graduated my senior year. Uh, and that was cool. Like, launched it in Gines. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been. I don't now. think I have yeah, it's, it's an iconic restaurant. So it super cool to get in there and having my family try it out there, which was awesome. incredible. Yeah. That's um, really cool. Yeah.
0: Now, now what was the reception to the product? Did you have any like faux pas like, Oh, a crash. Oh my God. Like, or like,
1: yeah. So I guess we're getting a little bit into uh, the Four last five? stage. Yeah. yeah okay. okay, okay like
0: let's, that. let's, before we jump into there, um, I cool. just want to keep, I just want to keep, no, you you're totally perfect. That's no, yeah. great. It's great. Um, um, cool. Uh, you meet your first girlfriend. Tell me about that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, this is a story for sure. Uh, my sophomore winter break, I was having a little bit of like, a, I don't know, a depression period. And uh, I, I didn't really want to go home. I lived on campus, even though I lived super close. I lived on campus because I wanted the real college experience. And I was uh, living alone in my dorm over the break because we were paying for it, anyways. And my, uh, my friend hits me up. He lived at a house off campus. And he's like, hey, I saw your Snapchat stories that you're just hanging out. You want to like be alone together? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I went over to his place, and it was so much fun. We just like played video games and worked out, and like made food and just classic like college goofing around and stuff. Cool. And then uh, he was he was in track, um, so at RIT he's like phenomenal pole vaulter. He actually won states for, in New York State wow. pole vault, so like super super talented guy. Um, and his roommates come over because they need to start practice early before the semester starts, right? So, one of his roommates is like, hey, I'm gonna you know, invite this girl over, Are you guys cool with that? I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay." don't care. Uh, but, but during the, I mean, you might, you might have some inklings of where this is going. But during, <laughs> during the day, they would be at practice and I'd be hanging out with her. And so we would yes. just you know, go to the store together, cook lunch, and like, we just connected so well, like, it, was, it was fantastic. And we could both, it was one of those situations where like, everyone could tell that we connected more, than me, than her and Jack had. Jack was yeah, yikes.
0: Oh, that's such a that, weird, I, yeah. It was really <laughs> awkward.
1: They got into a fight at the end of it and she ended up like, like you know, kind of like just breaking up with him and then I started dating her the next week but I didn't tell him, which was a bad move on my part. I, I've never been in a Mr. Steal Your Girl situation and this was a Mr. Steal, <laughs> because I didn't even try. Like I wasn't actively trying, it just kind of happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, there you go, sales there you go it's like- <laughs> well yeah yeah it was a
1: lesson in in you know sometimes you have to sacrifice things like i i kind of ruined my friendships with those people so that's a lesson to a uh, lesson to the listener right yeah. yeah those those kind of situations come at with their costs uh but yeah then we it, she lived in ithaca so we we would visit on weekends and stuff cool. and it was good uh it's first like, real it. relationship i had we we dated each other for like three or four months um oh cool yeah and then just realized that the distance was too much um which was really heartbreaking. I'm, I'm, I'm a very emotional person in relationships. Yeah. 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 So I take things hard. I take things hard when, and I, I definitely got a little bit depressed afterwards, um, which has always been a big lesson for me is like focusing on my own value and like, um, really being comfortable with who I am, which I think I've improved so much since then.
0: Uh, but yeah, like, like being comfortable being alone. Yeah.
1: You know, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Especially when you're, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and you know, like, yeah, yeah. Building your own thing. And it's like, cool, this is going to take just about everything that you have and every spare moment that you have. You have for to. For five years at least. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, I
1: need to be on 90% of the time for the next five years. Cool. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Sucks. Um, but I mean, it doesn't suck. It's, I mean, that's what makes it worth it. Right. It's like, that's because nobody will do that. Uh, that's what makes it valuable. Cool. Um, you get to RIT, you, uh, you focus on school. You do really well. You get the 3.95 in some semesters. That's awesome. Um, you meet your freshman roommate through Facebook after a long walks on the beach dating post. Uh, you meet your future roommates, two guys from Mexico. You end up going there. Uh, eventually you have your first startup idea in their uh, cool architecturally glass house, dope. Um, you hated working at Tim Hortons and you realized that you never wanted to do that ever again. Um, you taught yourself to code after realizing that you were kind of like in over your head. That's so cool. Um, you, go, you, you go to the career fair, um, aren't prepared for the first one, you're wearing khakis and a t-shirt, and you're like, oh, maybe I should you know, actually try next year. You do that, you get. you land a job with Microsoft, um, I'm sorry, Apple. You, landed, you, you, with the airplane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The aerial imaging company.
0: Yes. Um, and instead you take that, um, after just sticking around, you learn some climbing. Um, then you meet your first, you meet your co-founders in the applied entrepreneurship course. You land a job at Apple. You work in Cupertino or not. Is that in the next portion? That's the next yep,
1: portion. Yep. Worked in
0: Cupertino. You did work in Cupertino. Cool. Um, great. Then you, uh, meet your first girlfriend after you steal her from a friend of yours, which I absolutely love. Hilarious. Uh, and then you, uh, cool work on your startup and that sort of thing. Awesome. Part five of your life moving to Chicago and working towards a vision. Awesome. Tell me what the vision is. Is that on this list? I hope that it's on this list. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I articulate it, but the vision right. is, I, I just want to, you know,
1: I want to build software that people find valuable in their life, right? Like, there's so much there's so many products out there that I always think like you know do the people building that actually believe that they're doing good for the world like how do they rationalize building that and I want I never want to have to like wrap and rationalize what I'm making and I kind of had to do that while at least you know in some parts when I worked for some companies you always have to like for instance the first company I worked at the aerial imaging company it was a really cool job and a lot of the work they did was great like helping you know Map out pipelines that were going to be built and uh, doing agricultural, uh, agricultural scanning to find like crops that were going to be dead before they even started showing decay, like cool, cool. stuff like that. Wow. But then also part of it was like government contracts and like you know, some of the stuff you're building would probably be helped in like, you know, killing people at the wow. end of the day. You're like, you don't think about it like that, but eventually, like, yeah, yeah, it will, you know. It's
0: gonna have a negative impact on the world instead of like a positive one, something that helps people versus hurts them.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so I realized that like everything that I wanted to do needs to have a mission behind it. Um so yeah, the, the first product that I built, I just had the mission of like improving the guest dining experience. Like I really wanted to just make an easier way for people to pay and just have a great experience at the restaurant. And that's always been my my core value because there's been, you know, there are people that they build software just for the purpose of making money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, a good example that comes to mind is Groupon, for instance, right? Like Groupon is a company that every local business owner, sorry for my language, fucking hates. Like yep. you ask them, you're like, uh, what do you think about Groupon? They're like, it, they're poison, they're a toxin, they've ruined, they've ruined my business. They, they put hundreds, if not thousands of businesses out of business. Um, because what happens is, you know, they start offering Groupons we, under the guise of Groupon of like, Hey, we're going to bring you more customers. It's going to be a good a marketing channel. And right. then eventually what happens
0: Revenue is that all of the,
1: noise. they, they end up shooting themselves in the foot because all of their customers start coming through Groupon. Cause th- why wouldn't you? Right. Like, it's right. Just, yeah. And then they can't shut off that valve of customer acquisition. Right. Because then you're out of business. So they're in, just in the strangleholds from Groupon. Yeah. So yeah. I never want to build anything like that. I want to make sure that everything I'm doing is a positive impact.
0: Cool. And, and so that's the vision. Not, not very specific, but basically just a, a, a software. Core, it's
1: a core value, if you will.
0: It's a core value. Awesome. No, that makes sense. Cool. Um, great. So right now, um, you moved to Chicago, you decided not to take the job at Apple. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I was offered a job after working at Apple, which was super cool. Cause basically like the three month internship is just a long interview. Gotcha. And, uh, my boss asked me the thing. He's like, Hey, you've done some good work here. What do you want to do? And I told him, I was, I was like, very frank. I could see the passion that not only I was growing for small businesses and like starting my own, but for my co-founder, Beltran, like dude is, I just want to take a second to talk about him. Beltran is one of the hardest working people. I don't tell him this enough. But he's one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Like truly one of those people that I wouldn't be doing this without Beltran. Like he, mm. he just has that. And I think it's something about coming from a different country and knowing they, they know that so much is on the line. Like you see this all the time with international kids. Like they know what's at stake and they know that they don't want to ruin the opportunity that they have here. And he's yeah. definitely one of those people where he'll, he'll so good at capitalizing on opportunities and focusing on what's in front of him and just getting shit done. Like, yeah, you, you, they say surround yourself with people you want to be like, I want to be more like him in those aspects. So
0: cool. That's awesome. He Um, sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and also just super chill, like able to lay back and like, you know, smoke some weed. Sometimes it's legal in (laughs) Illinois, so I can say that. um, Cool. Yeah um but anyways what was the point that we were talking about here again
0: um that you left your job at Apple ah, are, I mean that's that's you know I think that's yeah. like I think a lot of people I think it's very easy for people to fall into that like you know that that uh lane of like yeah follow your passion and stuff because they never actually had any real opportunities that like were given to them that like you know yeah, they had to yeah. deny. but you were offered a job at Apple computer <laughs> and you were like no that's yeah. that's huge yeah it's-
1: a lot of people you know they when I tell that story to them, they kind of have that look of like, uh, are you joking? Like you didn't actually work for them, right? And I'm like, no, like yeah, I had the offer on the table. I could, be, could have made $120,000 a year, like wow. entry, entry level is like, no problem, wow. um, but, you know i i saw the passion that my co-founders had i have another co-founder dan i didn't really mention him too much but um yeah he he also worked for microsoft and facebook and i convinced you know i i really didn't well i don't want to say convince them because i didn't really mean if, if anything they convinced me at times um to all like forego that path that common path that any parent or any mentor would tell you is the right way to go or most mentors I'd say mm-hmm. uh, would tell you is the right way to go and just, you know, follow our passions, which is uh, it's scary. It's a very scary thing. Um, but it's exciting. And it, it's like starting a startup is a true call to pa- It's called to adventure, right? And yeah. it's perilous. You can, you can lose a lot. Um, I've lost a lot of money already. I've, I, you know, I lost all every, I saved, I saved $15,000 working at Apple and I lost all of it building my last company. All of wow. it. And it, you know, but it, it wasn't a loss to me because I was building something that I believed in and, and I learned so much. Like I I grew so much as a person and understand the world through a whole new lens and all these trite statements that are always somewhat true. Right. Yeah. Hard to put into words.
0: No, I mean, I, that's what I, I fully agree. And I, I don't mean to keep interjecting with my like personal experiences. No, no, I like it. I, uh, I I never lost 15 grand on a venture like that, but I I don't know what I early on when I was like making videos and I realized it's like oh my god I just want to do this for the rest of my life how can I make content for the rest of my life and like build a career that way I uh, I don't know I would buy I once bought this like modified uh, game system uh, it was a 3ds from from Japan and it was nice. like it was like twelve 3ds bucks. as well dude yeah there you go <laughs> but it was like it was like really expensive no it was like it was like 900 but like with this special modification it was like 1200 bucks and i was like I whoa need like,
1: what made it so expensive it, had a,
0: expl- it was a katsu kitty capture card in it and so like it was the only possible way that you could play and record brand new um 3ds titles uh, like when they were released, right? So there was a new Pokemon game coming out.
1: Ah, ah. so so it let you record the actual screen of the 3DS as opposed exactly. to like having to point the camera at it.
0: Exactly, which is, so, I yeah. mean, God, could you imagine? Oh, no, the, God.
1: The screens are like 500p. So It's, it's like, the worst, it's yeah. the
0: worst. So I don't know. And, and previously I'd watched this other guy that I was a huge fan of go from uh, like zero to 500,000 subscribers, or I, it was 300,000 at the time. but And it was on the back of the release of, um, Pokemon X and Y, this is such a dorky, stupid thing, but uh, that has nothing to do with your working for Apple, but I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, anyways, keep so going. he went from zero to 300 K, uh, you know, because he had this, this special system. Right. So I was like, okay, I don't care how much this costs. Like I've watched this guy do this. Um, and I was in school at the time and it was totally in over my head. and I had no workflow and I had like, no, like, schedule and i didn't even really know if it was something i wanted to do but i was like i don't care this is what i'm doing and i bought this thing and i spent like 1200 bucks and and for me that was all of my money at the time right it was yeah. just like this uh and um yeah total total misstep right misstep but it's like i don't view that as a misstep right it's no. like because i learned that it's like hey like the equipment is nice but uh you know the equipment only is as good as like the, this is the wheel to me. yeah. So, um, cool. What did, what, what, what did most of your 15 K go towards? Like, just like,
1: Oh man, like, so a big part of building that software was buying the software licenses required to communicate, not to get too much into the technology, but like to communicate with the restaurant's computer system, right. That, that makes and closes the checks because that's what we were doing through the software is doing it from a person's phone. So that le- level of communication, getting what's called API access application programmatic interface access to these computer systems cost yeah. a lot of money from these companies so that's mainly what we paid for uh, but a lot of it you know we were doing all the development so that was free just our time right yeah um, and, and, <laughs> opportunity cost yeah, costs. yeah and, and a lot of the marketing was done for us because it worked by placing a qr code like uh, a little qr code sign yeah on the table that you could cool. scan with your phone so a lot of that marketing was kind of done for us but uh yeah it was mainly just buying those licenses they were ridiculously expensive because you know the restaurant business is huge it's like Right. All these companies are selling to other big companies.
0: Right. Yeah. Did you, did you ever negotiate with those companies directly over the phone say, Hey, you know, we're just a couple of college kids. Like help us out. Give us, cut us a break. I don't want to pay you 10 grand right now. Like help me out. Did they- yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No. So we have a funny story. Um, Dan and I, my other co-founder, we, we ended up going to the New York city restaurant association show um, in March of twenty. 20- March of twenty nineteen, yeah, it's a little over a year ago, um, and we actually met the guys from Micros, which are one of the big players in the POS space for restaurants. Cool. We met, we met the guys there, and we actually they invited us out to drinks later. We went to like this. Uh, are you familiar with like their like ping pong um, bars?
0: Dude, cool. Apparently, no? that's a hip
1: thing. So we went awesome. to a ping pong ball. It was so cool, like like a ping pong bar and. Uh, we were like pitching them on like why we need like like special access and stuff. We want a cheap deal and like we're these young, hungry guys and like we got all the way to to you know getting drinks for them. And uh dude, these guys are no joke. Like yeah. these guys they I, at one point one got like too drunk and his just- what makes you think you're so fucking special it was like, <laughs> like dude like attacking us and we were like trying to attack back and stuff and it got heated and it had to get calmed oh down a little God. bit yeah yeah that was a whole story in and of itself that i could go off on but yeah we we tried our best. i got on phone calls with, like vps of product at like huge you know tens of million dollar companies and yeah and
0: give me give me access please please there's no reason yeah, why you yeah. should or i mean here's a list of reasons but like please please help yeah. me Sometimes
1: yeah. it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar, are you familiar with the POS Toast?
0: Uh, no. Okay, so that's a,
1: that's a big one that's growing in the restaurant space. Um, they actually started as what we were trying to do. So they started back in 2013 before Apple pay was even a thing. They started trying to build a mobile payment app for restaurants and it failed, but they pivoted into making a point of sale. So I thought they would sympathize with it, but they were like the hardest one. I was like, Oh, fuck (laughs) these guys. You know?
2: Yeah. That's
0: that. I mean, that, that does like, doesn't that, isn't that a little bit reassuring though? Like uh, you know, like, Hey, they, you know, they, they had the same concept, right? It's a validated idea. You know, we might not have had the right balls in place and the right like things at the time. It wasn't that time for us, but you know, this idea was validated and and made someone some money i mean they pivoted away from it but that's i think that's awesome are you talking pos system like 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 a little ziosk thing is that right like with the games on it at like an applebee's or something like that or something similar
1: so no that would be a competitor to what we were trying to do the ziosk the ziosk um, communicates with the POS. So the POS is the point of sale. That's where they actually swipe your card. Right. Like okay. the hostess would swipe your card. Um, gotcha. The CS allows you to swipe it at the table, but it needs communication with that POS. Gotcha. Um, so what we were trying to do with Pable, and I should clarify for the listener that like, we're not, we're not working on that anymore for reasons I can get into if you want. Um, but, what we were trying to do is remove that hardware, like a Ziosk is, which is like that tablet at the table, and just have yeah. that all done on your phone.
0: Just have it's a, a cool QR code cool. and, yeah. Right, because
1: cool. it's much cheaper, right, and, and much more convenient for the user. Yeah.
0: And you um, don't have to, like, do hardware testing and design and stuff and send it off to okay. some factory and do all that stupid bullshit with supply chain, and, like, you can just have an app, and it's like, oh, it's done. <laughs> That's why people invest in
1: software companies versus hardware companies. Oh, there's right. so much more investment in software.
0: Yeah. Right. Cool. Um, sweet. So you raised fifty grand for... Your business um now is this the business that you're the new business or was this for the point of sale uh... this is for
1: the point of sale yeah communicating gotcha. so um yeah we, like? we first moved to chicago right because we realized after our test i mentioned that we tested this in rochester where, where we're from we realized like hey this isn't you know there are not enough restaurants that are in a tight enough cluster with the right kind of systems for us to work out so i did this whole study where i called restaurants from uh, across the country in various cities like Seattle, uh, San Francisco, LA, uh, Chicago, and Miami, like all over the place. And basically mapped out, I did 200, at least 200 calls where I got the point of sale, marked them all out, the different brands of point of sales, crossed that with what we could work with and landed on Chicago as the best one for having the most restaurants that we can work with. And I was like, that's where we're going, that's where we're moving. And the fact that I, you know, it just speaks to like the passion that my team has that I approach these guys, you know, these are guys, they can, these, these guys can both be making 130, $150,000 right out of college if they want. Like, and I just approach them like, Hey guys, let's all move to Chicago making no money. We know no one there. Yeah. And let's, let's take this business there. Are you guys with me? Without question. They're like, yeah, let's do it.
0: Oh, that's uh, and, so cool! Yeah, yeah and I it love, was so- I love, I love the the pitch of like, hey, uproot your life because you know this this thing. I've called every restaurant in every major city in the world, and and this is the one based on the data. So uproot your life based on this crackpot study that I did in about two weeks, where I where I dialed. If it was gonna work anywhere, it was gonna work here. So
1: that's what we decided. That's like, so like, cool. let's move out here. So basically, we moved out here. This was last September. So I've been here ten months now. Yeah, um, in Chicago. And September hits, we land here, we all, uh, we started working out of a uh, an incubator in Chicago called 1871. It's basically like a WeWork in yeah. that you pay your dues every month to work there and it's a co-working space. But they also have like really cool entrepreneurship classes and like cool. tons of like famous entrepreneurs come there to talk and stuff, it's super cool. That's um, awesome. Just like, like a WeWork plus plus, um, but for like startups. Um, so we start working out of there. And I'm selling every day. I'm hitting the streets of Chicago, like trying to just beat, beating the pavement. Yeah. Um, and it's not working. It's not working at all. Like no one gives. Trying you. to we're raise in a big, We're in a, no, no. Trying to make sales. Trying, trying to, make to make sales. sales. God. Yeah, Because yeah, we wanted to make that's sales. Right. We wanted to get some traction before we raise money. Because a lot of people, a big mistake in startups, and I'll tell this to anyone that's trying to start a startup right now. A big building mistake, the product first. Big mistake oh, is building, and we partially fell into that trap. But the bigger mistake is raising money first. Before gotcha. you built the product. I'm a big believer. Now I'm not a successful entrepreneur. So you know, take my, I take my advice with a grain of salt. I'm a big advocate of like, you should have some sort of traction first and some sort of, it's called um, a customer validation oh, that okay. people want this right before yeah. you go out and raise your $2 million seed round. Right. Because once you raise that money, you can think of it like a faucet. Right. And that faucet is your expenses and people's expectations and your money's pouring out of that faucet to fill that bucket of expectations and salaries that you're paying out. And it's very hard to turn that faucet off once you start to, once, once you start turning. So you better be sure that that bucket doesn't have holes in it. Right. Am I taking this analogy too far?
0: No, I, I I think I hear what you're saying. I think, uh, you know, I, I've heard, um, I've heard that people who raise money early on, you know, and then they start, right. I think, I think, uh, they, it their, their second time they fundraise, um, is always extraordinarily more difficult because, uh, you know, their biz, I mean, every business starts rocky, right? So if you yeah. raise $2 million, right, and you say, hey, we, here are our projections, right? The the first time you show somebody a, a graph that goes up and to the right, right, you can basically make it up, right? Because, like, you're, you know, it's Calvin Ball. Like, I think that this will – there's a 1,000 restaurants in this city that we could potentially interact with, and we're going to get – 50% of them. And it's yeah. like,
1: it's all conjecture. It's all fairy dust.
0: Right. And then as soon yeah. as you start failing and it's like, Ooh, actually like we got 1% of them. Um, yeah. then, then when you go and start fundraising again, that's when it's like, Oh cool. Reality
1: um, hits you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then that kills a lot of companies. So I, I totally agree with you. I, I don't know as much about the faucet and the bucket situation, but I have definitely heard that, um, that, that, that story before. So yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So our approach was like, okay, now we want to get, um, I, I guess we were kind of in denial a little bit because we weren't making sales, but we we're still like, Oh, you know what would really help? If we joined an accelerator program. And uh, you know, for those that don't know an accelerator is basically uh, they're a company that not only invests in other companies. So um, they also coach those companies that they invest in very hands on. So you're, you're given coaches appointed to you by them and they know the ropes because they've trained other companies to, to succeed so they're going to help you succeed in ways you can't even imagine um so we're like we want to join an accelerator and uh of course we applied to all the big ones we applied to y combinator uh we got an interview there that was pretty cool really you got yeah. an interview with y combinator yeah yeah got an interview with y combinator um got uh, uh, TechCrunch. We we're in interviews with uh, uh Crunch, sorry uh um tech stars tech stars yeah that um, one's huge too yeah that yeah, was like yeah. the other huge one yeah. 500 startups, like reached out to all of them. And cool. uh, eventually we actually had connections to this one um, in California that focused on B2B starts called Alchemist. And they have a lot of successful exits too. Um, cool. Not as well known as the ones I just mentioned, but still, still pretty good. And that was one of the first ones we interviewed with and they just loved us. And they're like, all right, you." basically the next day they're like, you're in, If you got it. Uh, and the turn yeah. And the terms were like, we're going to invest 75K in you and uh, you're going to, for like 5% equity. So pretty, pretty generous. Wow. Deals.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. What, what evaluation is that? That's like, uh, it's like a one 8,
1: uh, it's closer to 2 million. It's that's great. 2 million in, in valuation, Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was awesome. Man, that's
0: gotta, what does that feel like when somebody hands you a check for $75,000 for 7, for 5% of something and they say, Hey, okay. like tell me what that feels like. That's crazy.
1: Uh, it felt great, but I'll tell you something like when you're in a startup, it kind of, and, and you know this being you're an entrepreneur, like you learn to, and then when you first start your journey, everything is like, anything good is the best thing that ever happens to you. Anything bad is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, right? Yeah. So you just like, these highs and lows and highs and lows. And eventually you learn to kind of like modulate that a little bit. Like right. Bring it down. Like, so everything that happens that's super good is like, yeah, awesome. Like, let's celebrate that a little bit. Everything that happens that's super bad is like, not the end of the world. We're going to get right. through this, right? So yeah, that's that's kind of where I was at. I had already kind of developed that that mentality by that point. So I was like, cool, nice, next step. We're moving on.
0: Cool. That's great. That's great. I definitely if somebody handed me a check for 75 grand, I probably would have like died on the floor. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. Cool. Um, great. I feel like we've moved away from this bulleted list. Um researching nice. the big the big city and moving with your co-founders, deciding to kill your first business. So yeah, so so eventually you decide. That this business is no longer worth pursuing. What prompted that? And and uh, was that that was after your seventy five thousand one point yeah. seven million dollar evaluation, right? Jeez. Yeah, so we get we get into the accelerator and we're like, all right, these guys are gonna
1: have the answers. They're gonna teach us like how to make this business succeed. Basically, we get in and they're like, How many sales have you made? And we're like, we're not in Chicago, and they're like, Why are you still working on this? Pivot to something else. And we're like, What? And they're like, Yeah, pivot to something else. It, you Try it. Nobody you likes work, it. You put in the work, no one likes it, take the answer that you've given. And we're like, Oh, yikes. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah, okay, that makes sense. And that that's really the value that you get out of accelerators. Like they teach you those mentality, those Some costs of like, yeah, exactly. Like don't, just because you put all this time into it, don't be afraid. Just keep moving, take real answers you're given, be realistic and keep going, right? Yeah. Until something works. So what we initially pivoted to, this was, so now we're, we're actually getting very close to today. Um, so this is back in January of 2020. Um, then by March of 2020, uh, or sorry February of 2020 is when we actually made the decision to pivot and uh basically we went back to all these restaurants that we had talked to before and we asked them like okay you know we're thinking of building something else like here's what we're thinking of like you know what are your challenges right now that's really what we hit on is like tell us what your problems are and a big problem you heard from all these places is marketing They're like you know it's so hard for me to understand like where people are coming from like how i get people to become loyal customers um, getting their information so I can reach back out to them like mm-hmm. all this stuff because Grub hub doesn't give me any of it the reservation platforms aren't giving me their info like I need I need this somehow so I kept on th- I heard that across the board uh, so what we landed on was sort of a universal loyalty program basically the idea was that you you um, visit a restaurant you take a picture of your receipt and then we're going to scan that check we're going to figure out how much you spent what you ordered so that's nice data we can collect on you um yeah. and then in exchange for that, you're going to get points proportional to how much you spent. And you're going to unlock special rewards at that restaurant and stuff the more you go. Um, and we were making tons of sales on this for, for restaurant. Cool. In 30 days, I made uh, 29 sales. So almost, wow. almost yeah, wow. like signed, signed contracts. Terrific. like Yeah, so I was sprinting at this. And we we were like still building the product at the time. It was great. It was a really great time. Um, and then COVID hit, right? And yeah. then all these businesses were like, oh, we can't try yeah. this out anymore. Like we've way too much on our hands. Right. totally understandable. Um, so we, we took that product that we had built because we already almost built it at this point. And we decided, okay, well, we can at least try to validate this and test it out um so we pivoted into doing delivery rewards so the idea was you take pictures of your delivery seats same idea um, we decided we wouldn't charge the restaurants we would just take the hit ourselves and any rewards we're giving out we were giving out like amazon gift cards points. Um, and that that got a decent amount of traction we tried that for like another three four months which in hindsight like we didn't take the lesson that we had learned with payable which is like no one's loving this right now, but at at the same time, it was COVID, so really no businesses were in the business of trying out new things. So mm-hmm. I think everyone was struggling during that time. We were just kind of hanging yeah. on to what we had.
0: No, it's um, definitely it's yeah. definitely a time right now where it's like this is this is people are freaking out in a way where it's like nothing right now. You know, it's it's it, it's almost in a way. It's where not right. It's
1: a not right now, kind of mentality. Not right, right. now. I got I right. you know, got to figure this out.
0: Right. Yeah. And the information that comes out of this time period is probably like definitely tainted in a way that like, you know, you're probably it's probably not good for long. It's
1: tenuous at best. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So is that what you're currently doing or? No. So we actually, you know, um, we realized we
1: gained about a thousand users on this app by this point, Cool. And, which is okay. It's like modest amount people. for an app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we couldn't, we couldn't improve the engagement at all. And we're like, okay, like people are just kind of gaining this for the, rewards they're not really like becoming loyal to any of these stores we're not proving any of the hypotheses that we set out um so then we just went back to the table again and we said look like restaurants probably aren't the move restaurants got hit hardest by this they're really not going to be a our, our plan was to get a bunch of users that were super active and then we could go back to these restaurants and say like, look we have all these users like buy this thing and it was the same thing like restaurants they're still struggling they still yeah. don't want to buy anything right now uh, so like all right let's maybe focus on businesses that are doing well so i started thinking like okay what businesses have that are reopening that have actually benefited from the lockdown so i started reaching out to salons to garden centers to hardware stores um places like that and just took the whole process from square one right like tell me about your business how did you get started what challenges are you facing right now Uh, what software do you currently use how are you advertising stuff like that um and what i kept on hearing over and over again from all these businesses was like, uh, especially when I got to the advertising piece was like word of mouth, word of mouth marketing is my best form of marketing. And I, I would ask him to explain, how do you know that? Where are you hearing this from? And a lot of people would say, you know, it was kind of anecdotal. Um, people would tell them like, they heard about it from a friend. Maybe they had a referral program, but it wasn't very well tracked. It was on the like, mm-hmm. spreadsheets or on, you know, I, someone told me they had it on like the notes app in their phone before, like tracking it that way. So I was like, yeah. huh, and I felt, I kind of had that intuition of like, okay, I think I'm on to something here. So I started pitching the idea of digitizing referrals to businesses. So I explained, like, how I try to explain it is... I'm a big advocate of supporting local, right? Because I, I see all these local owners and I understand like the work that it takes to even, to even run a, a small business. I think a lot of people think that like, oh, running a small business must be easy, like which is what the mentality a lot of people take going into it. They'll quickly realize. Yeah, it's there's brutal. Good, there's a good quote from the founder of Starbucks who says it takes just as much. So he started with just a small store and then blew it up to what it is now. He says it takes just as much work to run a small business as it does to run a big business it's all about your mentality and your mindset that you're taking to it right um, and so like what actions you're taking to either have it grow or subsist the way it is um, and so i grew a lot of empathy for them I'm like you know these are the same they're facing the same struggles i am in a lot of ways um, so like i really want to build something to help them which is why i'm really listening to their problems um, but, anyways, I started pitching them on this referral program. Like, what if you could track your referrals? What if you could make it really easy for people to refer? I'm a 22 year old guy. I'm a big fan of supporting local. I almost never refer to local business or a business in general, like a brick and mortar store in general. But I refer apps and I refer website products all the time. And mm-hmm. I think, why is that? Because the terms are simple, right? It's you share this link, friend clicks link, friend yes. buys, or you both win. Like yeah. terms are laid out easy. It's trackable. I know it's not going to break. No one's going to question my referral because it's been proven. Right. Just simple. Right. So when I explain it to these people, I'm like, what if, what if you could do that for businesses? What if I could text the link to a friend to refer them to a local business? Their eyes light up and they're like, oh, that sounds good. And so I really, I'm only in the early stages of this. I've been selling this for maybe about three weeks now. Um, I have about 10 people on board, 10, uh, locations on board and we're building it right now, but I'm, I'm really excited about it.
0: Cool. That sounds dope. That sounds really cool. Um, so, so like basically, I I don't know, the thing that comes to my mind is like Fiverr, right? Like, you know, that's their kind of whole model is like, you know, Hey, you, you, you text this link to your friend and if they sign up using your link, then you get $5 in your account. Um, so it would be like, Hey, this is my favorite bagel shop. Um, they're small, they're not part of a chain and, uh, they have this program where, Hey, they, you know, I signed up with them at the, at the place I got, they texted me this link and they said, Hey, if, if I get my friends to sign up with this link, then I get discounts at the store or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of places are already doing this. It's just a way of, of tracking that better, right. Of, gotcha. Cause you know, if I'm going to refer you to my barbershop, shop, right. You're yeah. going to ask, Oh, where do you go? I have to share all the information with you. I have to share the location. Um, I have to then say, oh, hey, remember, uh, to get the discount, you have to mention my name. And that's kind of awkward. It's like, yeah, are you actually going to do it? Probably not. Right. You know. And then there's another whole aspect of like, how do people in the store even know about your referral program, like the visibility of it and all that? The staff aren't pushing it very much. Um, so having some sort of signage there that people can interact with. Right now we're mm-hmm. playing around with the idea of like scanning QR codes to verify it, the purchase and all that. Um, that's going to increase the visibility a lot. And then just the... The simplicity, making it really easy for people to just text you a link, and that shares all the location's information. When you yeah. click on that link and download the app, your referral has already been applied within our system. So when you check in with that QR code, you're gonna—it's gonna be a coupon that you can just show on your phone to the staff, and they'll apply your referral discount, similar well, to a Groupon. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's why I have a lot of thoughts about Groupon because yeah, I've, I've heard this from local businesses. Like everything I mentioned about Groupon earlier is yeah, they're wary and they predatory. A highly predatory company they hired tons of tons of salespeople that were vicious like just hounded these stores for like deeper discounts and and all that yeah like really really terrible lots of horror stories out of, out of Groupon. so i want to deliver the value sorry kind of on my sofa too but no you're I, fine i want to i want to deliver the value that groupon set out to do which you know, there's kind of two things the first was uh, really the main was that we're going to bring you new customers and uh The other was that they're going to guarantee you revenue, right? Because it kind of acts like a gift card. You buy a Groupon, they send the restaurant the money minus their fees, right? Minus Groupon's fees. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't redeem that Groupon, they keep the money. The the location keeps the money. Um, But what actually happened was that 90% of people that bought Groupons redeemed them. And only 10 to 20%...
0: Actually we're recurring customers.
1: Actually become loyal customers. So they didn't deliver on either of their value props, yeah. which is why people hate them. But they're still around because, like I said, they're so integrated in some people's um, in some people's systems, they just can't get rid of them.
0: Yeah. You know, so. No, that, that, honestly, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you're, like, you know, actually, uh, like, I don't know. The, the, that level of learning is great, you know. Like, instead of going, like, I don't know. Cool. The last uh, bullet point that you had was about yeah. you know, the value of being wrong. Um, and I think, you know, from from uh, our conversation already, it's like, yeah, like, I was I tried this, I failed. Or I didn't fail, but like, I realized that it wasn't taking off, right? I tried this, you know, the accelerator told me that like, hey, oh, cool. Hey, the world is telling you that like, this isn't working, right? And you're not listening. Okay, cool. I'm going to listen. Um, and yeah. then, uh, cool. I, I think that's really cool, you know, it, uh, jumping into the referral if you can make if you could make a you know a go to app that um you know is ubiquitous of like oh cool like you know I refer to these people and I got these rewards I that that is going to be awesome I, I I don't know in in the back of my mind from a marketing standpoint where I'm doing like click funnels and like you know tracking people and stuff uh the there's a siren going off where it's like cool like there's so many. Uh, steps where it's like cool. There's a required action on someone's part where they have to like interact with the sign and scan this QR code in the right way, and like, and it's just like that to me. Overcoming those challenges to me, yeah, His is execution like, is going to be all of it. it. It that to me sounds like a challenge that would be absolutely brutal, and I commend you for taking that on because that sounds uh, really, really difficult to to actually, you know introduce a thing that, that changes someone's like habits and lifestyle like that and changes a business like that. But Hey, you know, I mean, if you do it successfully, you become a hero and you, you know, like,
1: I I don't want to ever be a hero. Like I'm, I, I'm not big into like, um, idolizing people. And I never want to be someone that like people like idolize as well. Cause that happened a lot to me. I didn't really talk about this, but that happened a lot to me when I went came back from Apple and I came back to school is like people start treating me differently. They're like, Oh, that's the guy that, I wasn't Jake anymore. I was the guy that went to Apple and it was like, you know, I'm still me. There's not, I don't have some like holy aura now that I went, that I went there. You know, I'm just a guy that had a vision and executed on it. Cool.
0: Um, Jake, what do you think, uh, especially in context of, you know, I mean, I think that there are a lot of people who would not be making the decisions you are now. Right. I would have taken the, I mean, I, I've never had someone sit me down and say, Hey, you, you can make 120 grand if you just work here and do this. And, and, you know, working for Apple is a dream job that like people would you know kill for. Um, I don't know if I would have made that decision. Uh, I don't know if I would have, you know, chosen to, uh, do the grind that you're doing now. Um, what do you think are the strengths about you? Uh, so, so, you know, your biggest strengths and weaknesses, right. But what strengths sure. do you think led to those decisions?
1: I think a strength for me is that um, I've learned to walk the delicate line between caring what other people think about me, because you can't completely separate your thoughts of what people think about you, right? Right. It's one, it's unrealistic. And two, it's honestly not the best thing for you. Like yeah. You should care what people think about you to some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, cause that's, what's going to make you a better person. You're going to reflect on, you know, how did I treat this person? How can I be better? How can I be a better teammate, a better boyfriend, et cetera. Um, so I don't believe in that, but I think, I think that I'm very good at walking a balance between how people think about me and not caring about their opinions of the decisions I'm making and knowing, making the best decision for me at the time. Um, so yeah, that's probably one of my biggest strengths. Cool. Um,
0: Weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, weakness. all short.
1: Yeah. Um, I like to talk. <laughs> uh that, that no it really is it can be a weakness for me in that i i can talk too much and lose my focus um but another one is focus yeah i'm i'm definitely uh definitely i mean i was diagnosed with adhd in college but like my pediatrician i would known her since i was a kid and, and i was getting an adderall prescription i'm no longer on, on it anymore i think we talked about this a little bit um but uh you know she was like yeah like this is an easy, this is an easy script for me to write. Like you've obviously had ADHD from a very young age. So it's difficult for me to focus, Um, but I just didn't like the way Adderall made me feel. So I'm working on building that habit of, of determination on my own.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, if you could give a piece of advice either to me or to, uh, the audience that's listening to this based on, you know, the experiences of your life, um, and the through line of that story, if you had to come away with one piece of advice, uh, that you think, you know, lives in that story, what would that piece of advice be?
1: It would be to, um, never give up on yourself. Right? like you can it's okay to give up on friendships it's okay to give up on family members i have before um you know but never give up on yourself like that's a trite thing but just because something's trite doesn't mean it isn't true um everything i've done anything that i really truly put my heart and soul into even if it failed it didn't turn out the way that i wanted it to had a positive effect on me and either in like you know the way i view the world my work ethic um as a person how i how i think about other people um, had a benefit on me. So yeah, I guess not. Um, yeah, just being very intentional about everything you're doing in life and, uh, understanding that everything you need to do, um, to be the person you want to become needs to be very intentional.
0: Cool. Yeah. Jake, thank you so much for talking to me for like three hours. I appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> I had a good time. awesome. Um, cool. Hey man, do you have anything that you want to plug? Any, any products that you've built that you want people to go and take a look at or
1: yeah, I mean if you're in Chicago, um hit me up. Uh also check out my app, Delight Rewards, on the App Store. It'll be changing to that referral program I mentioned pretty soon. Um also I have a co-founder who's struggling with immigration issues right now. So if anyone listening was anything at all about uh could give me a touch with immigration lawyers, hit me up. That's a weird ask, but that's what I got. No,
0: I mean hey, that's I hope someone reaches out to you, that'd be amazing. Um yeah, that's everything is so messed up right now and I I, I have a furious rant about that too. Uh, but anyway, um, cool. Instead of doing that, I will go ahead and do my plugs guys. I'm currently doing a campaign called pay five forward where I have basically promised to give anybody that asks a $5 starter donation to make a uh, donation to a charity of their choice. Um, you can go and receive $5, uh, by visiting my website, pay five FWD.com. It's also pay five, the number five, Uh, forward. You can write that out too. And I got both URLs. There we go. Playing really, really in the game now. (laughs) Um, Cool. Also we're doing an ambassador program where basically um, there's a section of the website where you can apply to become a pay five forward ambassador, where basically uh, I will give you $50 to distribute $5 starter donations to your network. Um, Basically, you know, saying, Hey, you know, friend of mine, here is $5 starter donation, donate it to a charity of your choice and add to it if you can. Um, so far, we've given away about a thousand dollars, and that's got that's snowballed into about five thousand dollars of donations to charity, um, and that's been really rewarding and really awesome. That project is going through a little bit of a redesign on the website front, so um, it should be by the time this airs, though, it should be halfway decent. So go to that website and see if I'm full of crap or not, and if it looks like crap, it's probably because it's not done. Um, cool, and. Other than that, I think we're all set. Um, Jake, thank you so much for uh, your time. I seriously appreciate it. And good luck with your startup. That's awesome. Thank you.
1: You as well. Good luck with the podcast. I hope this becomes like a top 10 podcast.
0: That'd be really nice. (laughs) Have a good one, guys. Bye bye. Take care.